Well, good evening, staff. Good evening, supervisors. Good evening, Loudoun. I'd like to call to order the May 10th, 2023 Loudoun County Board of Supervisors public hearing. This room has a hearing loop. If you need hearing assistance, please switch your hearing aid to the telecall mode. If you need a headset, we have those available as well. Please see the clerk to request one. As a reminder, um, if you are a member of the public and you come today to address the board, um, if you are not in the boardroom and you wish to address the board on items number one, three, or five, which at this time are on the consolidated hearing agenda, please call the number scrolling across your screen at this time. All members of the public who have signed up to speak will be allotted two and a half minutes. If you are in the boardroom, we ask that when your name is called, please come to the podium and state your name for the record. The timer on the podium will indicate your remaining time. When your time has expired, please yield the floor to the next speaker. Say hablas en español, te doy cinco minutos. And if you're providing your comments via phone, I ask that, when you, that you use your stopwatch to track your time. Um, when taking public input for items, I will first ask if there's anyone in the boardroom wishing to speak. Then I will go to the moderator and ask if there's anyone there who wishes to speak. Please note that there's a slight delay between the boardroom um, and the, and the um, broadcast. Um, uh, our person today is Andy Torres. Andy, are you here? Yes, ma'am. How are you doing? Very well. You can hear me just fine? Yes, I can. Wonderful. Uh, okay, everyone, if you will please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. Supervisors, we will hear the following on the consolidated agenda. As a reminder, these items have been consolidated because there are no outstanding issues. Staff has recommended approval. The applicant has waived the presentation, the public, and there are no public speakers registered. Item one, proposed conveyance of county property, conveyance of sanitary sewer easement of the town of Leesburg. Item three, AGDT 2022-2057, request for withdrawal request for withdrawal of land belonging to Bradley and Tandy Bondi from the Beaverdam Valley Agricultural and Forestal Districts. Item number five, a special exception 2022-0041. It's a top golf lighting item. Are there any members of the public who'd like to speak on these items? Anybody on the, on the WebEx that you can see, Andy? No, ma'am. Wonderful. Seeing none, I'm going to close the consolidated hearing. I'm going to go to the motions on these items. Item number one, the proposed conveyance is in the current Catoctin District, and so I'm going to go to the Catoctin District Supervisor, Mr. Kirshner. Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Your motions are in. The, well, why not? We do it every time. Well, no, I thought you were going to go to Leesburg. Oh. <laughs> I'm ready. You want me to read the motion, correct? I do. <laughs> I move the Board of Supervisors approve motion 2B for the approval of the deed of easement for the town of Leesburg as provided in the May 10th, 2023 public hearing item number one staff report. Second. Motion's made and seconded by <laughs> Supervisor Umstead. Discussion on the motion? No discussion. No discussion. Okay. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9 0. 
Item number two is in the Blue Ridge District. Thank you, Madam Chair. Well, it's item number three, correct? I'm sorry, yeah, number three. Uh, I move that the Board of Supervisors approve motion 2B for the approval of the request to withdraw the Beaver Dam Valley Agricultural and Forestal District as provided in the May 10th, 2023 public hearing, item number three, staff report. Second. Motion's made and seconded by Ms. Brixman. Discussion on the motion. Only that, that their purpose for, their stated purpose for doing this withdrawal is to put the property into conservation easement, which generally provides more protection than the ag and forestal district. So I'm very supportive of this, as long as that happens. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Seeing none, all the people say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. number three, the top golf item, Ms. Ms. Uh, Glass. I'm five, brother, the top golf item. Thank you, Ms. Madam Glass. Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve motion 2B for approval of the special exception as provided in the May 10th 2023 public hearing item number five staff report. Motion to be in second by Mr. Sain. Discussion on the motion. Yes, uh, Madam Chair, I just want to thank my colleagues for supporting the lighting special ex exception change for Top Golf. This lighting plan will make the lights in the Top Golf facility less intense for the neighboring parcels and for uh, the nearby roads. Um, um, since the lights will be brought off from the top of the, um, of the building and it will be installed within the golfing bays. I've received complaints from constituents from the intense lighting um, associated with Top Golf. So after working with county staff and Top Golf, I'm glad that we've arrived at a solution which makes the lights lower um, to the ground and shine tighter on the, the driving range. These lights also allow Top Golf to utilize a new ball tracer technology for, for customers. The Top Golf is a great business and uh, for the community and I look forward to seeing their continued success. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Um, and I would just um, uh, associate myself with your comments. <laughs> I was literally gonna say almost the exact same thing. So, um, but else, all in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion passed nine um, zero. Supervisors, the I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the item number four first because item number two is gonna take a much longer time. So we're gonna to go to the Pacific Corporate Park item. So um Vamos a Tomil El Elemento Dos is final porque tomorrow must tiempo. No idea if that was good or not. <laughs> Y'all got me? Okay, cool, cool, cool. It's getting there, it's getting there. <laughs> Just hands. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> but if everyone would come down for item number four, I'd appreciate it. I've been doing Duolingo, so I'm really, really trying. <laughs> Good evening. Staff, we, well, my computer's not coming on, but otherwise, we're ready when you are. It should, I, didn't, I haven't turned it on. Mm -mm. Yeah, there it is. It shouldn't be out of battery, so it should be fully, but it shouldn't be, I haven't turned it on. It should be fully charged.
blue charge. That's really strange. Okay. Hello. Over here. Good evening. Uh, my name is Zachary Pyle. I would like to present Pacific Corporate Park. The subject site is 43.2 whoa, 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 acres. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you want to introduce Mr. <laughs> no, you knew. You knew. You knew it was coming. I don't know, Dan, what you tried to do. You knew it was about to happen. So you want to go on. Come on, Dan. And I am Dan Galindo, Director of Planning and Zoning. And this gentleman is? This is Zachary Pyle. He said his name. Hi, Zachary Pyle. Hello. <laughs> How long have you been with the county? About a year. About a year. Have you seen? Have you been here before, before the board? A long time ago. I don't remember. Does anybody remember young Zachary? You gave him a hard time before? then, too. They gave you a hard time already? OK, then you can go. <laughs> go, go in and go then. <laughs> so uh, tonight I'd like to present uh, Pacific Corporate Park. Uh, the subject site is 43.28 acres. Uh, it's located within the Broad Run Election District. It's located south of Waxpole Road and west of Pacific Boulevard. Uh, the existing uses around the site are mainly data, office, and commercial uses with a uh, golf course east to the north. The applicant is requesting a zoning conversion to rezone about 43.28 acres from the planned development industrial park under the 1972 ordinance to the 1993 revised Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance. Uh, they're also requesting a zoning modification that, uh, to permit building heights up to 100 feet without additional uh, setback from property lines or streets. This image shows a, a ZRTD plat. Uh, What's about now? Uh, the, the site is within the suburban employment place type, uh, which encourages office production and flex space uh, uses up to a 1.0 FAR. Um, it's also in the suburban policy area, which supports economic growth within the Route 28 corridor. The applicant is requesting a ZMOD or a zoning modification to allow buildings up to 100 feet without any additional setback. Uh, currently, within this district, you would it, they'd be required to have a 75-foot or 115-foot setback for a 100-foot building, but they would like to keep that at 75 feet instead. Can you say that again, Zachary, please? Sorry. So currently for this district, the setback requirement is yeah. um, 75 feet. They're proposing up or uh, well. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confusing myself right now. <laughs> um, they're proposing a 100-foot building, which would require 75 feet of setback and an additional 40 feet for that additional height over 60 feet. So they're allowed to have a 60-foot building with 75 feet setback. And they want a 100-foot building with no setback, with no additional setback? No additional setback. Okay. All right, thank you. Uh, the applicant has, prof uh, has a proffer statement which includes some architectural commitments including 25% glass or window components, uh, at least 30% precast concrete panels, um, various primary and secondary building materials, 
site screening in the form of a 20-foot uh, earthen berm wall combination with landscaping around a, uh, a proposed substation and also the uh, preservation of the existing stormwater pond. Uh, the Planning Commission uh, forwards with the recommendation of approval. Uh, staff also supports board approval. However, there have been some changes to the proffer statement, uh, which uh, now are, will be incorporating some additional uh, language to uh, uh, cover some requests from the, the district the supervisor, including the, a, side, a sidewalk around the site, as well as a 10-foot um, shared use path and some uh, signal easements for uh, a, a traffic signal and also a public walkway easement along the uh, existing stormwater pond. And um, the applicant will have a lot more information on all that. And with that, I can take any questions. Thank you, sir. Um, Ms. Glass, this is your district. Would you like to go first? Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, thank you, staff, for the presentation. Um, I have a couple of questions. What kind of pedestrian facilities does the countywide transportation plan call for along the property's frontage, and do the applicants' proposed improvements comply? So the, the, the county transportation plan uh, calls for a shared-use path along Waxpool Road, which already exists on, at the site, along Pacific uh, Boulevard, there, um, the CTP calls for a 10-foot wide shared-use uh, paved path there, as well as um, on Broderick uh, Boulevard. Uh, Prentice Road, however, uh, the CTP calls for a six-foot uh, shared-use path or a sidewalk. So the, the, the applicant's proposal ba basically meets those uh, regulations except for the one side along Broderick Road. Okay. Um, understanding the new proffers have not been reviewed by the county attorney's office, are there any other initial concerns with the updated proffers? Not uh, with staff at this point, um, pending review by the county attorney's office. Okay, thank you. Chair Randall, do you or staff have any issue with this application going to the June 6th business meeting for action instead of June 20th? Um, uh, the June 16th meeting is a very full meeting, so I would actually prefer it to go to the to the June 6th meeting, but I have no idea if it'll pass. I, I don't mind putting it on that agenda if staff has no issues with it, because the other agenda is much, much, much more full, but that doesn't, but I don't know what's going to happen with it, though, when it gets there. Okay. Yeah. Then can I ask staff, staff, do you, uh, do you feel that um, if it passes tonight that we can move it um, from June 20th to the June 6th meeting? Yes, we believe we can meet that deadline. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Turner. Uh, the only question I had was the depiction, the reduction in the setback. Is it just on that corner of the building or is it all around the building? That's correct. Uh, originally it was for the entire property and during the process of review, we limited it to that one specific corner of the property. So they're asking for the wave of the setback just on that green area depicted on the slide. That's correct. Okay, thank you. Ms. Um, Brixman. Thank you. I had a couple questions. If approved, uh, if this was approved, the substation would not require any further approval? Would it be 
And would it be required to come back for a specs? It, uh, if this were approved, there are provisions for the substation within the proffers, which would make it possible for later on the, not, not to have the need for a, uh, a CMPT permit. Uh, also, it's a dedicated. Sorry, I didn't quite understand that. Uh, that uh, and within the proffers, it, it mentions the, the substation use on site. So, with that being in the proffers, if you were to approve those, it would. I guess take out the need for for a commission permit later on, and there wouldn't need to be a specs either. No. Okay. Okay. Um, and then the stormwater pond that's there, is that going to be covered up or removed? Like, what what happens with the stormwater pond? So we specifically work with the applicant to preserve that area of the site. Um, okay. They do have the option to come back later at a later date within the proffers to apply for a special exception to modify that area uh, as long as they keep their, the original square footage of the, the, the pond surface. Oh. Okay. Um, so it will be preserved unless they come back and make changes to it at a later date if they want okay. to. Okay. And the buildings that are on there then, they will be torn down. That's my assumption. I'm not, I'll defer to the applicant to okay. answer okay. that. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Sainz. Uh, thank you. Um, all right, so over the past year, what percentage of applications for a suburban employment place type have been data centers? Any chance do you know? I would have to come back with an answer for that. Um, yeah, if you can, that'd be greatly appreciated. And then in the staff report, it was noted, um, the staff says part of the benefit of this application is it will boost uh, the Dulles Airport. How, how is that so? Could you repeat that question, please? In the staff report, it was noted that this application would boost the, Dal the Dulles Airport. How is that possible? How is that so? It's, I don't think it's specifically meant to say boost the airport itself, but the Route, the route 28 tax district um, in terms of uh, having a greater economic base for that site. Okay, from the from the tax district. Okay, yep. gotcha, for Route 28. Okay, that makes more more sense than the airport part because when I read it, I was like, what? Okay, um, and then for the power lines, and then any power that's going to the potential data centers, are is there are they proffering to have uh, the the lines underground? So I have not been privy to that type of detail on the, the project. I know that there's a, a dedicated substation for the proposed data center use. Uh, but in terms of the scope of what I had to review for the ZRTD, that was a part of our review. Okay, well, I'll ask the applicant when it comes time if they don't cover it, but uh, thank you. Thank you. If you go to page two of our presentation, uh, the orientation on page two versus page four is a different orientation. Can you point to where that, where the corner is on page, on the, on page two? The corner where they're gonna have the, in, in, the building to the higher. The uh, corner on this, if you're looking at this image, it should be the bottom right corner, right where that pointer is. Is that what Mr. Buffington's pointing right now? Okay. That's correct. Um, I, I'm not saying that I have an issue with, with anything, but I'm, I'm very curious because normally staff will recommend no if there's almost anything that's just not allowed. And so this is a pretty, pretty big change to allow the increase height of the data center with no additional setback. I'm, 
I'm not, I'm not saying that I won't uh, say yes to this because of that, but I'm really curious as to why is this not, why is this a yes for you all? And I've never thought that doing something one time creates a precedent, but are you worried that other data centers will come up and, and could ask for the same thing? Tell me how you all got to yes on this fairly big change to what we normally require. For, the, for this site in particular, we, we came to that conclusion based due to the prevailing use around the site, there's already a lot of commercial, industrial buildings out there. Of this height? Uh, probably not the height they're proposing at 100 feet, but pretty close. Uh, the office buildings are probably pretty close to that height. And what's the, and what's the setback for the office building? I would have to go check on that. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just, I mean, it, the, the staff is very consistent, and you will recommend no because it's just, not, it's just something that's out the ordinary. So for the, for the, to recommend yes on something this, this big, I'm just curious as to why. And again, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to go one way or the other. It, it's just kind of, it's, it's new for you all to do that. That's all. So, okay. Thank you very much. Good evening. Y'all have 10 minutes. You can stay at the table. You can stand at the podium, whichever one you want. We are ready. All right. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm Brian Winterhalter with DLA Piper, and I will stay at the table right here. Uh, I'm here with Doug Fleet and Elizabeth Nicholson of American Real Estate Partners, uh, and we are very excited to be before you with this application this evening. Uh, Mr. Pyle, if you could pull up our presentation, please, uh, and we will get started. Um, you may already all be familiar with American Real Estate Partners, uh, as you'll see in our slides in a minute. Um, we, uh, American Real Estate Partners is, uh, if you'll recall, the company that acquired the Verizon IT, uh, government IT headquarters site, uh, now known as Quantum Park, uh, and brought the CBP to that property uh, in a major economic development win for the county, and we're looking forward to continuing uh, to provide additional economic development wins with the county, for the county, uh, with this site as well. Next slide, please. Can we start this time, please? Oh, I'm looking at this clock. That clock says. Um, okay, I'll just watch this clock. That's cool. Okay. Uh, here's an image of Quantum Park. Uh, you see the, the blue area is the long-term Verizon leased area. The purple area uh, is development by a line for data centers, uh, and the, the green area is the CBP information technology headquarters. So again, a major employment campus in the county uh, delivered by American Real Estate Partners. Next slide, please. Uh, AREP also is uh, in the process of topping out and completing the uh, first data center building that they are constructing in the county at Bowmead, the ABX1 building. I think some of you have seen that building. Uh, and this is just to give you some uh, background on the company and also uh, their high quality of design in their data center buildings. Next slide, please. To focus specifically on this site, you see it here. We've talked about it already. Uh, it's currently zoned PDIP under the 72 ordinance. It's designated for suburban employment uses in the general plan. Next slide, please. And we are proposing to convert it to the revised 93 ordinance and to seek a modification to permit building heights up to 100 feet without additional setbacks. Uh, it is important to note that the building height within the property is already permitted to be 100 feet. We are just 40 feet closer to the property line than we could be otherwise. Next slide, please. 
uh, here's the location of the proposed modification. Again, it is a narrowly tailored modification just to this one particular corner of the property. And the reason for that the modification in this location is related to the configuration of the buildings and the existing stormwater management pond, which we are proposing to retain. So in essence, there's a bit of a push-pull here. If it moves closer or farther away from the corner, it's moving closer to the pond. If the building moves farther back from the pond to preserve the pond, and it's moving a bit into this corner, which is the reason for the modification. Next slide, please. Uh, with respect to the modification, obviously we're not changing the density of the site uh, or the uses. Uh, it's allowing us to have a more compact building form and again, to pull the building away from the stormwater management pond and it only affects a small portion in this one corner of the site and we work closely with county staff to more narrowly tailor this modification based on the scope of the proposed development. Next slide. Here you see the surrounding uses which have been mentioned already. I won't go into this detail, but obviously we're surrounded by uh, commercial office data center uses, the golf course to the north, and we think that this is absolutely an appropriate location for additional data center development given its, uh, its comprehensive plan recommendation and the surrounding uses in the property. Next slide, please. So there were three main topics of conversation at the Planning Commission, which I will run through briefly. The architectural design of the buildings, the screening for the substation, and the stormwater management pond and related landscaping. Next slide. So we've committed to architectural design commitments that include those that you see on the screen with respect to the amount of glazing in the building, architectural and precast concrete, uh, and specific uh, building materials which are identified in the proffers. Next slide, please. Again, this is the same rendering that you saw before of the ABX1 building. This is not the exact same building that will be uh, constructed on this property, but it is representative of the architectural design of the buildings that we're contemplating for the site. Next slide, please. This isn't exactly the focus of the architectural design and materials as such, but this gives you a sense of the massing of the buildings on the site, although they will look more like the ABX1 example in terms of the actual building treatment. Next slide, please. With respect to the substation, uh, we have committed to screening for the substation that's 20 feet in height. That screening will be consistent with the finish of the data center buildings. We will have supplemental landscaping as well. The 20 feet in height will be comprised of um, an earthen berm and the screening wall, and it is a total of 20 feet. So if it's a four foot berm, then it's a 16 foot wall and, and so on. Next slide, please. With respect to the stormwater management pond, we have committed in the proffers to maintain substantially the same overall surface area of the pond. We will maintain the existing landscaping or provide supplemental landscaping to make sure that there is an aesthetic view of Long Wax Pool Road of the property, uh, which was important to staff in the consideration of our application. We may make minor changes to the configuration of the pond, uh, not significant changes, uh, but we may make some minor modifications. Um, but, but again, we are committed to the same overall surface area with our proffers. Um, we also want to be transparent and straightforward with the board that we may come back and seek approval for a fourth building. Right now, that is not the plan, the design for the site that is contemplated, and we are working on agreements with potential data center tenants. That would be a three-building configuration, so while we're not anticipating a fourth building, we wanted to be straightforward and identify that that may be possible. If that ever comes to fruition, it would require a future special exception and we'll be back before you uh, seeking a request for that that would be subject to presumably additional conditions. Next slide, please. Uh, this is an exhibit that shows the uh, VDOT planned uh, shared use path along Prentice Drive. Next slide, please. And this is our proposal to have a six-foot sidewalk on Prentice Drive, a six-foot sidewalk on Broderick, 
and a 10-foot shared use path on Pacific Boulevard. And the real reason that we're doing all this is to try to maintain as much of the existing mature tree cover around the perimeter of the property as possible. There are some nice trees out there. We certainly want to do our part and be a good corporate citizen for the county and provide pedestrian connections uh, around the perimeter. But we also would really like to maintain as many of the trees as possible. They are not all going to survive. The construction of a shared use path or a sidewalk will necessarily involve some tree removal. Um, but, the, but a six-foot sidewalk that is narrower than a 10-foot shared use path on Prentice and on Broderick will allow us to preserve more trees. It's, it's tight in there, and we want to do the best that we can, which is why we're proposing a six-foot sidewalk. Um, those were the uh, items that were discussed at the Planning Commission, and then more recently the, the perimeter of the property, the tree preservation, and the sidewalk and shared use path commitments in coordination with uh, the supervisor's office and with county staff as well. And we believe we've addressed all the issues, and uh, we would be very grateful for your support, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank well, you're you. giving us two minutes and 45 seconds back. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Um, supervisors, we'll go to questions. Ms. Uh, uh, Glass, I'll go to you first. Thank you, Madam Chair. And uh, thank you again for your presentation, and thank you for um, working with uh, my office regarding the proffers that we had um, that we had spoken about. Um, and I ask one question: Would the applicant be willing to make the six-foot concrete sidewalk on the Broadbrook and Printage frontages a six-foot asphalt trail instead? Uh, we'd be happy to, Supervisor Glass. Thank you very much. And that, the reason why I ask that is that because um, it, it would be better for those who would like to bike instead of using uh, instead of the sidewalk with the like the bumps every three feet. So appreciate that. We we would agree with that. Uh, we've offered also supervisor to maintain that path, so it will be uh, taken care of in the in the in the care that it needed to be. Thank you. What kind of trees are the trees um, along the property's perimeter? Do you know that? Uh, the the type um, I don't. Uh, there are clearly some maple trees there. Okay. Um, in the presentation, if if a tree has to be removed because of the construction, we've offered also to uh, replace it. Okay. Okay. And do you know how tall is the tallest building currently on the site? Um, it's uh, it's five stories, and I believe uh, story to story is just short of 15 feet. But then there's a, a mechanical uh, penthouse uh, that's an additional uh, 12 feet, so that would put it, uh, you know, above 75 feet. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Good, Ms. Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so it sounds like you're saying that you have to build the substation to power the data centers that you want to put there. Is that the case? That is the case. Uh, to answer, uh, answer uh, Supervisor Sane's question, uh, the substation is against the power lines, Supervisor, and therefore there's a direct connection uh, to the Dominion facilities along the power lines, and then between the substation and the building, it is anticipated to be underground. It is anticipated to be what? Uh, the, the connection oh. between the substation and the buildings will be underground connections. Oh, so that's within the property, though. Within the, within the property. But, right. but at, at the property, the substation is directly adjacent to the power lines. But the substation has to be connected to some other power lines across the county, correct? Yes, there, there's high uh, tension voltage power lines that run right along Waxpool Road. 
Okay. And, and we have cited the substation to be in a, in a spot that's good for Dominion, but also uh, 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 less visible from the road. But we provided some additional screening okay. uh, to be a combination okay. of yeah, both the, the berm yeah. and the wall. Yeah. Uh, and, and in addition, that wall will be of similar material as the building. So it will be a high quality screening. Yes, I, I did hear that part. Um, so because it's going to have its own substation and you already have power lines from Dominion going to that substation, this will not, in your opinion, add to the power constraint that we already have in Eastern Loudoun? Or are you going to be, are you going to be able to power this, basically, is the question. Uh, yes, we're already working with Dominion's team. Uh, it's been given a name, the Broderick Substation, and it's in their long-term plans. The name of the substation is what? The Broderick Substation. Broderick Substation. And the timing of when you're going to get this all built and up and running? So Dominion's schedule right now is to complete that substation by the early summer of 2026. And okay. we're hopeful to have the first building completed shortly thereafter. Okay. And what is in the buildings that are on the property right now? What businesses are operating there? Uh, they've been completely vacated by Verizon. Uh, they've uh, experienced significant deferred maintenance. Uh, two of the buildings haven't been operational for two years. And uh, Verizon, uh, now Yahoo, has left the, the property. Because they were going to leave anyway or because they knew it was going to be purchased for a data center? They had made the election prior to the pandemic that they uh, were, in essence, selling this unit uh, to a private equity group. And they didn't feel that this was uh, a need for a long-term home. They had greatly reduced the amount of personnel that this division had. They, they weren't filling up but a fraction of that old AOL campus uh, they they have in effect uh, created that and affected that merger with Apollo, and uh, with the pandemic everyone went remote. But they were they were planning to relocate, which I believe they're in the process of relocating to another building in Reston. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Kirshner. Yeah, I did, uh, thank you guys for coming in. I had one quick follow up question. Did I hear you say there was a four foot berm with a ten foot wall on Waxpool along? The commitment is for a 20-foot screen wall in total with the earthen berm as well. So if it's a 4-foot berm, it would be a 16-foot wall. If it's a 5-foot berm, then it would be a 15-foot wall, but a total of 20 feet between berm and wall. So there's no commitment on the, the berm-to-wall ratio? No. Can we get a commitment 50-50 on that? Um, we could. It, uh, I think in talking to the county staff supervisor, uh, they preferred to have a berm that was in that four to six foot range, and, and the wall would be uh, uh, the balance of that. Yeah. I think they felt that they didn't want the berm to be so high. Okay. The, well, the, my personal opinion is if you have a berm a little higher, it looks a little less like a prison. So. Maybe we could just we could work on that. Uh, we actually offered what we thought was a balance with a little bit uh, uh, a total package that was more 16 feet yep. between berm and wall. Uh, I, there was a, a requirement, a request by several folks that wanted to extend it to 20 feet. Right. It does uh, require with that size wall, that tall wall, a lot more structure, okay. which we're prepared to do. Okay. Uh, we're we're um, I don't know the exact ratio that would look aesthetic, uh, 
Uh, but uh, a berm of about six feet is probably going to feel more aesthetic. Okay. Um, our our commitment is to make the county happy with <laughs> with a total height requirement. How about um, a supervisor happy? How's that? Uh, and a supervisor too. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, my my personal feeling is when I drive by these, and this is obviously not my district, so I would defer to the district supervisor. But I feel like more berm and the natural plantings with the wall then above that it's probably a little better look i'm not a civil engineer sir but i yeah. i think that that might uh that tall of a berm and how it how it feathers out might create some um uh, uh water drainage issues okay um we're perfectly happy to do whatever ratio or combination okay. uh would make everyone happy it's just a function of what's actually practical from a drainage standpoint madam chair in my remaining time can i ask staff if if they what their thoughts are in terms of the heights of the berm or if they're prepared absolutely yeah prepared to talk about that back uh, when we this issue came up about this the substation screening we came to the determination it was like around the four to six foot earthen berm uh or the, the berm part uh between four and six feet and then the wall would make up the rest of the 20 feet but um I mean, we're, is there a reason? Is it the is it the water reason for that, or as opposed to more of a berm? I think it's based on what we when it's been done at other sites. Uh, I don't think it's a, like a something that we're not we could be flexible on for okay. sure. But uh, well, those are my thoughts for coming. Supervisor Kirshner, just so you know, the applicant is uh, perfectly ex happy to you know create a balance that would be aesthetically pleasing. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Turner. <laughs> Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, and thank you all for presenting tonight. I'm going to ask some tough questions. It does not reflect on your application, which is a good application in my judgment. But I do want to highlight some realities here so we start talking in, in holistic terms about the total comprehensive package when we approve a data center and when we're talking about a data center. Do you have an electricity service agreement in hand? Uh, we don't have an electric service agreement in hand, but we have a commitment from Dominion uh, since we're providing the land for the substation uh, and we're actually providing funding for that substation that um, it's an agreement between Dominion and they uh, we're not taking 100% of the full measure of that substation. Yeah, I, I, and I, I get that and, and I wouldn't expect a, a, any other answer from Dominion and I understand their, the position they're in. Um, is you is is electricity being able to provide to the it's a is it the broadrick substation is that what you call it that's correct sir the broadrick substation based on completion of the wishing star mars line to the to the uh, uh dulles corridor that's correct okay so um and i know that the current estimate is late 25 they expect to have that wishing star mars circuit completed and then that'll power into the Broderick substation, and then you should be able to get the electricity service agreement. That's correct. The power actually will uh, flow through the lines that are along Waxpool Road. Okay. And so that's why Dominion felt that, uh, uh, and, and Dominion has been very receptive that they'd like to see a substation in this spot uh, that would serve not just this property, but the community as well. Okay. Just to clarify in a little bit of time that I have left, I learned just this past week I thought all the data centers in eastern Loudoun County were power constrained. That's not true. It's only the data centers located in data center alley, what's known euphemistically as data center alley, that are technically considered constrained by Dominion and would be served by the Wishing Star Mars circuit. 
I want to emphasize that circuit is not sufficient to power all the data centers that are currently anticipated to be built in eastern Loudoun County. There is more to come, and we're going to hear about that. It doesn't affect this application. But I did want to isolate the fact that you are dependent on Wishing Star Mars being completed in order to... to uh, we are, Supervisor Turner. Uh, what Dominion has indicated to us is that uh, uh, we've been planning for this development for over two years. That's what I figured. This has been long in Dominion's planning cycle. So this is one that uh, uh, we feel assured. Obviously, it's our risk. Uh, but we feel assured uh, Dominion uh, will complete... Uh, again, we're providing funding for what would be a gas-insulated substation, very similar to what we did at the ABX1 at Bumid. And uh, I've got four seconds. That's good. I thank you very much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. So all of the currently existing buildings or structures would be removed. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. They uh, really don't uh, meet current code anymore. Yeah, they're uh, falling apart. Nobody's taking care of them. So I think this is a good application. Um, on the berm around the substation, um, will there be vegetation and plantings? I'm there'll be landscaping, uh, aesthetic landscaping around that, yes. Right. And there'll be, I just want to confirm that there won't be any large fence with Constantino wire all the way around this whole thing. Uh, there will not be, sir. <laughs> so it won't look like a prison. No, sir. <laughs> all right. Um, now, but with all seriousness, I think it's a good application. I appreciate that something better than what's there now is going to be here in the future. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, thank you for answering the, the question as, as to why the heights um, and, and the setback. Uh, that was my main question. You answered that right away, so I really do appreciate that. The only qu other question is, you've said when you so, when you have shown some of the illustratives for past data centers that it may not look just like this. Do you have an illustrative already ready or something very, very close for this one? Uh, we don't at this point. We're still working on the building design. Uh, it's always been our desire and intent to try to uh, provide something that's aesthetic relative to the market. I think there's been uh, a lot of buildings that have fallen short within the marketplace. So we've always tried to maintain a standard. We, we tried to show that and demonstrate that with what we built at Lennon County Parkway at Bowmead Circle. Uh, our, our hope and desire is to, uh, and we have a very good design team, uh, build something that would be on that same level of aesthetic. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, the, the truth is, even when people know the tax savings they have because of the data center market, we get a lot of complaints about, the, about data centers, and, and the one we hear the most is just how they look. Um, that they are just not attractive. Now, a lot of those are because they were built many, many years ago, but I have really tried to focus in on the, the aesthetics and the design standards and all those of data centers, so I do appreciate that. If you could have something, any idea by the time you come back on, on to the meeting, on, I think the motion would be for the um, six. We, we will come up with um, a rendering that will be emblematic more of that. We're still working on design. Okay, that would be great. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Is there anybody from the public who'd like to speak on this item? If not, Ms. Glasser, would you like to make a motion? Yes, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors forward ZRTD-2022-0001 and ZMOD-2022-0011 Pacific Corporate Park to the June 6, 2023 Board of Supervisors Business Meeting for Action. Motion's made and seconded by Ms. By Ms. Um, Umstadt. Discussion on the motion, Ms. Glass. Yes, uh, I'd like to thank you, Chair Randall, for accommodating this application at the June 6th meeting. 
I'm supportive of this application. I want to wholeheartedly thank the applicant for working with me and be, being so willing to provide um, uh, an attractive data center campus through the application. Um, it, if anyone knows this area, that's where um, uh, when you're coming off of Route 28 onto at Waxpool Road and you're coming up over the, over the uh, bridge and coming down, that's one of the first things that we usually see when we're um, versus the Wegmans on the right-hand side. The AOL is on the, the left-hand side, so um, that will be something that uh, people see when they come into Ashburn. Um, it's a campus. Um, this application will mean the end uh, for the old AOL campus in Loudoun County, which I feel is an icon building that everyone has recognized for decades right as you enter Ashburn on Waxpool Road. It is a campus that has a large pond, mature trees, and walking trails, and I'm glad the applicant is willing to preserve those features as they look to re redevelop the site. The reason I'm willing to make a deviation on the Broderick Drive Trail from the Transportation Plan's 10-foot trail goal to a 6-foot trail is because I'm looking to preserve those mature trees along Broderick Drive. Most of the data center campuses that, um, that are being developed are usually clear-cut when they're redeveloped, and it takes years for, um, to, to, achieve, um, to achieve to have those uh, mature tree canopies. This is a site where we'll have an existing large mature tree buffer that the applicant wants to preserve where we'll, um, as well. To do that, we must explore a smaller trail option that will not disturb the trees and as well. I do not take um, a deviation from the plan lightly, but feel in this situation it is necessary to achieve the goal of pedestrian connectivity and provide screening from the roadway. I want to again thank uh, the applicant for this cooperation on this application, as well as county staff for their work. I look forward to supporting this application in June. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Mr. Turner. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, in your design, we've got some time here. I've seen a, um, an illustrative of another <laughs> data center being built elsewhere in my district that has green walls. It's a really innovative design. So there's living green growth on lattice up the sides of the walls in pattern shapes, and it's really, really innovative. Just put that in your, in your playbook, if you could, as you design. We will, we will Supervisor yeah. Turner. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Sainz. Thank you, yeah, Supervisor. Glass uh, triggered my memory yeah, with the with the building being the former AOL headquarters. Is there any the, the thought just crossed my mind when you mentioned that? Is there any thought to do any um, memorial or paying homage to what used to be? Uh, hey, dial-up telephone <laughs> with the CD-ROM <laughs> <laughs> with that squeal sound. The Very good. Exactly. Very good. Exactly. <laughs> Um, it's it's a great question. We hadn't really thought about that, but um, you know, having a having a marker would would be a nice thing to do. I think. Yeah, if there's something yeah. that could. The little man, yeah. that's that little running guy. Yeah, running man. It's uh, when uh, uh, when Yahoo left uh, and took all. Uh, there was actually a little museum mm -hmm. that uh, they had on site. We were hopeful that there was a couple of signs that we could keep and repurpose, but they took all of them. Well, yeah, there's something you could do because that yeah. is, is. They're probably going to be on eBay at some point. Probably so. Yeah. But, yeah, if we, there's something you could do um, to think about a little bit more because that, that is. Right. It is but, but it's actually uh, interesting. Uh, in the signage, 
uh, for the park. Uh, you know, a lot of the data center users don't like to have signage, but maybe maybe we'll think of some uh, interesting marker that we can have that will uh, be on the trail or something. Yeah, and then yes, to, to Supervisor Turner's point as well. Um, yeah, and just Chair Randall, as her request, there's a way you can give us the illustratives for these actual buildings ahead of uh, June 6th. That'll be uh, greatly appreciated. Then you look at design, as we talked about. And you have the, the standards that I sent to you, and look at uh, other buildings, and you, know, you see the, the the building on Boomi that is definitely going in the right direction. But we can look at some other uh, opportunities to do some amazing things. Like, like uh, let's take an opportunity because and, and do them here, especially at this location, because as Supervisor Glass mentioned. Right when you come off uh, 28, you take that left that, uh, exit. You're gonna a lot of people pass this building, pass that property every single day, day and night. So let's make it a uh, make it something worth their while. I, I hope when we're done, you'll be very proud of that corner. I hope so too. Thank you. Thank you. The motion is made by Supervisor Glass, second by Supervisor Umstead. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That post motion will pass nine to zero. Thank you very much. Thank you Appreciate very much. Supervisors, we are going to go to the final item of tonight, which is item number two, the Community develop Development Block Grant Annual Action Plan. Will staff please come to the table? Supervisors, um, if, if we need to, and we don't need to yet, but if we need to without objection, um, if Ms. Lassiter-Smith is in the room, I may, I may ask her to come answer a question. And what, I'm not there yet, but if we need to, I'm, 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 I'm assuming you're in the room. Yeah, there you are. If we need to, I may ask her to. But um, first, let's let's have staff. And I know we have seen this presentation, supervisors. However, with um, with the room that um, being full of people and with all the questions we have received, I think it would would behoove uh, the public to be able to see the presentation. Um, and so I am going to ask staff to allow for it's a nine slide presentation to do the presentation for us. For Thank us. you very much. Good evening, Chair Randall and members of the board. I'm John Hall, Director of the Department of Housing and Community Development. I'm joined uh, with me tonight, uh, staffers, Assistant Director Brian Regan and uh, Community Development Black Grant Manager, Johnette Powell. We are presenting this evening the third, the proposed third year annual action plan for the county to submit to the federal government, the U.S. Department of Housing and Community Development. Uh, statutorily, we are to submit this report, this annual action plan, no later than 45 days prior to the start of the county's fiscal year. Uh, we, have, we can, however, request an extension if necessary. Uh, this go particular- back, Go back one slide. That's not the beginning of the, of the, there you go, all right. Okay. Right, there we go. So, uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm sorry, I just wanted to make sure you got no the- No problem. So, the, um, we are presenting, proposing to present the, the third year proposed annual action plan. Uh, just a little bit about the timeline. It, each year, 45 days prior to the beginning of the, uh, the county's fiscal year, we must submit our annual action plan. Uh, so that we don't lose or, or put our funding in jeopardy. We can, however, uh, ask for an extensions uh, and in extenuating circumstances, HUD will, will most likely grant that for us. A little bit about this process that we did, I, I just wanna walk through. Last fall, we announced uh, through a press release that the grant application process was open in October, November. Um, and then in November, the application deadline 
uh, occurred. And then we had our review committee to actually review proposals that were submitted after staff had reviewed them uh, and packaged them for the review committee. Uh, since that time, we performed program monitorings on some of, um, uh, well, actually all of our grantees for this current fiscal year. Uh, and now we have uh, made recommendations uh, in consultation with the Housing Advisory Board uh, and the Finance uh, Committee as well. So we're here tonight to conduct the public hearing and to uh, discuss uh, additional actions that, that can, can occur with, with this proposed uh, annual action plan. With the, the next slide, please. The estimated or the actual funding that we have been allocated for our fiscal year 24, which is the federal fiscal year 23. So there's some toggling with fiscal years. I, I just want to be clear uh, because the screen says fiscal year uh, 23. That is federal fiscal year funding. We, we, run, um, we run ahead of the federal fiscal year. I'll put it that way. Normally, we'll refer to it as program year 23. But our fiscal year 24, uh, these funds, we will get 1.4 million, so actually 1,441,396. That does include roughly $36,000 of, of reprogrammed funds that we calculated at the time. Uh, we will come back and discuss that here and later on in the presentation, but for, uh, in, uh, for uh, purposes of submitting this proposed annual action plan, the dollar amount is 1.4 million. The review committee reviewed the proposals uh, in several categories, and the recommendations are on the next slide, which give an overview of how we're going to spend this 1.4 million. 20%, uh, no more than 20% can be used for administrative purposes. That comes up to 281,000. No more than 15% can be allocated for public services. That is a statutory requirement, and based on our allocation, that amount is 216,000. Then basically the remaining, remainder of the funds uh, of that 1.4 can go for our other projects uh, that we designate in our consolidated plan and in our annual action plan, what we designate to be high priority funding categories. So here we have um, capital projects as well as uh, RFP for, cap for additional capital projects. Uh, and I have affordable housing added, but the whole category is capital projects. The next slide to go into greater detail on the specific categories that were recommended for funding. We'll talk first about the public services component, which again is limited to 15% of our annual uh, entitlement. We have three recommendations that came from the Housing Advisory Board, um, and this is to fund a Northern Virginia Dental Clinic, Crossroads with job, uh, jobs and counseling, training as well as Loudoun Citizens of Social Justice or LAWS. These three projects represent uh, all of our 15% uh, allocation, uh, which is $216,209. The next slide will show what our funding recommendations are for the capital uh, category, which is basically all other uh, funding categories. This amount totals 1.2 million and is broken out as uh, funding for uh, laws, uh, 22,000 for uh, a bathroom renovation, uh, Habitat for Humanity for acquisition and rehab of single family dwelling, uh, 
and then the uh, remaining of the funds aside from the 20% administrative dollars would be for housing affordable activities through uh, a procurement where we would ask the public what projects they had to, to present uh, that are shovel ready and, and helping to create or increase rooftops throughout Loudoun County. Staff's recommendation um, is that we uh, modify the habitats uh, request down to 150,000 that was discussed in the finance committee meeting and, and that recommendation holds true. I do want to report that Habitat has uh, a house under contract uh, that will probably close our, within the next 60 days most likely. It is not for the full amount uh, that, uh, that is here, neither the, the 650,000 that was discussed. Uh, they are proposing to use a, a slither of the funding um, by, by July. The staff recommends um, that the board approve this proposed and third year annual action plan as presented. I do want to pivot and, and discuss a couple of other things that have, that have occurred throughout our debriefings with the applicants that we've had and, and just concluded this week. Uh, and then I also want to talk a little bit about some of the uh, additional activities that we must do uh, parallel or, or following this, this action. So let me start with the latter first. If you recall, uh, HUD just recognized Loudoun County as a participating jurisdiction, which means we're going to receive home investment partnerships entitlement grant for the first time. By receiving these funds, we will be required to amend our consolidated plan and we will have to submit a substantial amendment to our third year annual action plan that we're working on right now. With that um, substantial amendment that we must submit, uh, we can't do it all together because of the statutory requirement to submit this third year proposal you know, by 45 days prior to the start of our fiscal year. What we as staff have been, have been doing is, is basically analyzing our, our projects that we funded over the, over the past few fiscal years that needed to uh, be closed out in the HUD system and some of those projects had funding left over. Some were you know nominal amounts, some were a little bit larger amounts. Uh, and so what we plan to do and intend to do um, in the next up, upcoming weeks is to draft our substantial amendment using reprogram funds uh, so that it can be submitted um, to HUD before your, your summer break and it would go to the July public hearing. Uh, so these amounts that we're anticipating that we'll have for reprogrammed dollars I believe will address uh, some of the, the needs that have been uh, relayed to us for additional dollars for, um, our, for categories outside of the public service. Uh, line item. So the capital uh, programs, if you see on our, our slide, we had three proposals uh, and we're recommending funding two of them at this time. I believe the third one, with, which is InMed, uh, would be funded with this reprogram funds that we would open up another public comment period uh, because that is, that's the requirement of the substantial amendment. We would open that up J June 1st is what we're targeting so that we can meet your July 12th uh, public hearing meeting. Uh, and so these things will, will happen p in parallel. So we'll come back July 12th with uh, reprogrammed dollars, 
uh, for a sub substantial amendment to the third year proposed an annual action plan and an amended consolidated plan that adds our home investment partnership dollars to the grant, which is a requirement before we can receive the funds. So I know I may have uh, split uh, some, some conversations there, but I um, want to make sure that, that everyone understands what, what we'll be doing going forward. I, I, uh, I don't. Okay. Um, supervisors, I know it's out of order, but if, I just need, I just, would you go back to the list and then the, the nonprofits that, so the Northern Virginia Family Services, Farmless Ordinary OAR, would you go down the list for the next nonprofits that would have been funded or it's a whole new grant process? So the short answer is no. So the public service category where we had about 10 grantees, we're, we're capped with, with the funding because of the 15% statutory requirement of all we can fund is $216,000 okay. out of our annual entitlement. Okay. So the proposed grantees for that category, staff continues to recommend that slate. Okay. Now, the only difference is when we get to the capital category. So we had three applications and only two were recommended for, for funding. So the third one that was not uh, recommended for funding, which is in MED, that is where I'm saying we have basically okay. scrubbed our portfolio and we have additional okay. dollars that we can reprogram okay. through another public comment process. Okay. okay. I'm saying okay, but okay. You, are you done? I'm saying okay, and I'll, and I'll ask you questions in my time later. Okay, I, I thought you were coming up with another well, question. Well, I'm, I'm saying okay. I don't, I'll, I'll come back. Okay. Okay, so to, just <laughs> to frame it, the action that staff is recommending for this evening is to, to act on the, the third year proposed annual action plan as presented, uh, if you choose not to, to uh, recommend that tonight, we will go to the board meeting May 16th, but our annual action plan is due to HUD by 11.59 p.m. on May 16th. So we have to do something. However, I can, I can ask HUD for an extension, which they've already indicated is possible. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. You good? I'm good. I'm good. We're going to go to questions. Um, we're going to go to questions. Um, and I might have some questions for Ms. Smith, but we're going to go to questions. Okay. Mr. Letourneau. Big picture. Um, we get these money, we get these funds from HUD, right? And it's a, um, I assume, an annually appropriated HUB program? Yes, affirmative. So, and we're essentially a pass-through in that we, you know, identify local recipients using a criteria and a process that we have. Yes. But that could change at the federal level at any time. And let's just say we're about to hit a fiscal cliff. There is potentially spending cuts coming. So discretionary spending of all kinds could be impacted at some point, not with funding that's already been appropriated, but in future years, right? Yes, our, our, we're an entitlement community, and so our annual allocation will always say subject to congressional appropriations. Right. So 
I guess the point I'm making or asking is it may not be the wisest thing for organizations to be really dependent on a federal source like this in this political environment and fiscal environment, um, regardless of how we allocate it. Because all we do on an annual basis is allocate depending on what we have and what our allocation is. And then now we have set up a process. We do have the housing advisory board that reviews these applications, right? Um, using the criteria that we've established. Yes. Yeah. And staff is then also reviewing this and uh, agreed with the recommendations, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then what I think I heard you say at the end is what we're trying to do is see if there are essentially balances in previous allocations that were not spent that we could reallocate to some organizations depending on where they fall, right? Affirmative. Okay. I just will ask, was IMED one of those organizations that had balances? Yes. In prior years, they have had balances uh, on both of their categories, public servicing as well as capital. Uh, what we're planning to do is, is take uh, some of that leftover money to see if it's been already repurposed or reallocated. Uh, so that would be part of the, okay. of the reprogram. But they had not entirely spent down their previous allocations. That is correct. Okay. Do you think that that factored into the recommendations that were made? Yes. It, it did. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Ms. Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so in the category of public service projects for the 216,000, do you know how many applicants we had for those, for that? Ten. Launch? Ten. Okay. And, and we found three uh, that we were going to fully, well, almost fully fund. It looks like laws got 130,000 um, of there. Uh, and when you were judging the applications as they came in or the team was judging them or the committee was judging them, was it similar to what we have done previously in that they had to get like 80% or 70% rating? So my question is, what was the sort of cutoff that we decided? My understanding is that it, it has not changed, and 80 is the minimum score. 80 is the minimum score. Okay. And so only three organizations scored 80. Is that correct? Or, or um, 80 or above? 80 or above, yeah. Okay. No, more than three. No, uh, yeah. looks no like, more uh, than three, yeah. She's confused. Three, four. Yeah. Five, six, um, seven, eight, about eight. Right. Yes. Okay. If you if you look at page um, seventy seven, then it shows all the ones in their scores. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'll go. I'll go take a look at that. And then the f on the capital project <coughs> RFP and administration activities, um, how many applicants were there for that one for that tranche? So we only had three applications. And two out of the three were recommended for funding. Oh, wow. And okay. two, those two that were recommended for funding were the only two that scored above 80. Okay. Um, and then so does it, so the RFP for housing affordable activities, we're just, we're holding out the 770000 for RFPs to come in the, in the chance that we could spend that money if an acceptable RFP comes in. Yes. Okay. Which of the two categories did InMed apply for? Both. Both. Okay. All right. 
Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, Ms. Umstadt. Oh, thank you, Madam Chair. So, <clears throat> InMed could still be considered in the capital category later this year? Yes, for the simple reason that we only had three applications in the capital category, uh, and they were the only one that is not recommended for funding. Uh, and since it appears that we have additional uh, funds that we may need to use um, fully expend by June 30th of 2024, that could be a potential uh, solution. So InMed has not been able to expend all the funds it's been allocated in past years. And is that right? From fiscal year 2020 through the, through the current uh, cycle. So, well, let's not talk about fiscal year 23 okay. because that one hasn't ended yet. So for, for 20 uh, and 21, I believe, there, 20 and 22, I'm sorry, there were funds that were left. In our discussions with InMed, uh, they indicated that challenges that occurred during the pandemic on both sides of the transaction with, with uh, our staff as well as their team uh, led to additional challenges why money was not spent uh, timely. Is, <clears throat> is, does HUD, does HUD care about that? Or does HUD require that the monies be spent or returned? HUD definitely cares about it. Uh, they hold us as the entitlement community accountable. Uh, so, you know, every year there is a timeliness standard test. Our, our test is every May 2nd, every year, and we cannot have more than one and a half times our annual allocation in our line of credit, or we will, we will you know, get, get written up for it, basically. Uh, so we want to ensure that the projects that, that are identified for funding are able to fully expend their dollars within the fiscal year that we've assigned it. So this current fiscal year, all of the, the projects should be fully expended. Um, basically, by June 30th, we do give a 30-day window, so July 30th, um, to, to submit their final requisitions, but it should be closed out. In the public services category, if a grantee has does not expend any money, whether it's a dollar or more than a dollar, that those funds cannot ever be rolled over to another fiscal year. Uh, and so th that money, we, we basically have to reprogram it. And so that's part of this exercise that we're doing, staff and I are doing, to identify what dollars need to be reprogrammed. Final question. Um, does InMed need staff, our staff assistance in putting together a proposal to get additional funds and can staff provide that assistance? I don't believe they re need our technical assistance. They, they had already um, participated last fall with uh, some of the technical workshops. We had quite a few of the, of the grantees actually uh, participate. Uh, in our meeting with them uh, previously, I, I didn't get that indication, but we will offer it as an abundance of caution. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Turner. <clears throat> Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, kind of a lightning round here. Um, this is a five-year CDBG program, and we're in the third year of the five-year plan. The organizations that we funded in year one, are they funded on the basis of receiving funding for the full five years, which it seems to me to be, to Supervisor Letourneau's 
point kind of risky to anticipate you're going to get funding for five straight years? Or are they aware of the fact that each year of those five years, they're basically going to have to zero base justify their program? On the grant application, there there is um, a, a clause that says that no, I, I'm not citing it verbatim, but I, I have right. it here. But basically that no applicant should re solely rely on funding uh, f from Loudoun County. Uh, and then in uh, the the public services category of the funding, it says that no grantee will receive more than three consecutive years of funding okay. and must lay off for a year before reapplying. Okay, if an organization in the public sector side fails to expend all its funds and we can't roll those funds over, is that a black mark on Loudoun County as an administrator of the program? No, we just have to reprogram it and use okay. it. Okay, what about on the capital side? The capital side, we would just continue to reprogram it. But it, the re, the regulation just explicitly states that we cannot carry over funds in public service. But it doesn't reflect badly on Loudoun County as a pass-through for the federal funds? Only if it affects our timely expenditure, our line of credit. If we go over more than one and a half times our annual allocation, that's when it will reflect on us. Okay. Um, IMED does phenomenal work. But I'm having set up grant programs before, I'm a stickler in the objective nature of our scoring system and our evaluation for each of the grant applications. So my question is a sensitive one, but I want to ask it anyway. If this were any other organization besides InMed, would we, would we have found the reprogrammed funds and found an option for any other organization if they had not received capital funding like InMed didn't. What I'm trying to get at is I bristle when I hear organizations that are able to ask for a reconsideration by the judges, us, and you uh, through some sort of compelling humanitarian need, which is certainly they can ask, but I'm worried when we are, we are when it's a variance from the standard, when we are changing our procedures from our normal procedures, in order to accommodate someone who happens to be upset. You follow what I'm saying? I, I don't want to introduce a subjective element here, and so what I'm trying to get at is this is a subjective element that's been introduced that's going to allow us to use the reprogrammed funds. Yes, uh, to, is the short answer. The My thought uh, hearing your question is that we want to make sure that the money is always spent timely. And then we offered debriefings for um, applicants who were not recommended funding. We, we should do that every, every time we have a, a funding round so that applicants know how to strengthen their applications or where their weaknesses were, or you know, if we just run out of funding. Uh, however, in the case where we may have uh, additional dollars, then we try to create the opportunity for victory. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Miss um, Glass. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so you had you had stated that um, the funds for twenty, I think it was twenty twenty, and you had given another year were not fully expended. Have they been expended now? You know, up to this date. Yes, both of those years, I believe it's uh, t fiscal year twenty and twenty two. Both of the, those years, the funding was completely expended uh, after ex extensions were granted. Okay. This is, 
So when, when the priority, prioritization of the CDGB grant changed to focus more on unmet housing needs, were organizations who were previously awarded um, funds to pay for facility improvements, were they made aware of the county's priority shift? My response to, to that question is they're independent, mutually independent of one another. So for the community development block grant dollars, our policy is our consolidated plan that was done. We're, in, we're going into year three now, so it was done two, two years ago. Uh, and so that is a, a five-year plan that we submit to HUD to let HUD know this is what Loudoun County is planning to make its high-priority funding areas. Mm -hmm. And then as we do the annual action plan that feeds into that five-year consolidated plan, we're re-emphasizing nothing has changed to HUD. These remain our high-priority funding uh, activities. So the, if, if the consolidated plan was done in conjunction with the Unmet Housing Needs Strategic Plan, which I, I don't think it was because the, the strategic plan was adopted in 21, mm -hmm. um, that there may be some, some overlap with priorities, uh, you know, housing being one always, but just to say that it's, it's been a shift in priorities based on the Unmet Housing Needs Strategic Plan, I, I don't agree with, with that assumption or, or that response with that question uh, because they're, they're two mutually exclusive documents. Okay. Now we can always modify that consolidated plan if, the, if there's an urgent need that, that happens, uh, something, you know, if we, if we have um, massive layoffs and we need to address an urgent need or, the, you know, a force majeure, we can always modify that five-year plan with HUD. But historically, uh, entitlement communities don't unless there's something substantial. Okay, thank you. All right, Mr. Sainz. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Okay, so I'll just ask some quick questions here. This is a grant funding process, so we don't have any contracts or agreements with any of these organizations that apply year over year. Is that correct? Their actual agreements are, are entitled contract agreements, but I'm not sure if I understand your question. But the agreements are, if you have agreements, but these are not guaranteed. The agreements are not guaranteed that we're going to give you money year over year. That is that is correct. They're for one-year terms. Okay. And you have to go through a, a applying, applying process, review, and then depending on your scores, then uh, then you'll you'll be awarded the, the funds. Yes. All right. So, again, there's no guarantees. No guarantees. Okay. Um, and you mentioned earlier, I know you've met with NMED and reviewed a few things and answered questions and replied to emails and, you know, et cetera. So, but you said that there's possibly not this round, but maybe another round that they might be able to get some funding. Uh, what would that time frame look like? We're planning to uh, open up the next public comment period June 1st so that we can have a your, meet your July public hearing date. Okay. And are they were they made aware of this? Yes. Okay. All right. And just your opinion here, would you say that it's I'm going to say, should anybody who's applying for these, for these grants or the funding, should they be always expecting to get something or should they operate as if they're assuming they're going to get funding every year? 
No, uh, any applicant should always leverage uh, funding and actually not solely rely on 100% funding or supplanting of, of funds from, from any grantor. Uh, and, and that is, is clear in our grant application. And why is that? Sustainability sake. Um, uh, our funds may, may change. Uh, our priorities may, may change. Uh, but uh, we, we want to make sure that we're open um, for everyone to participate who has a viable proposal and, and that we are serving the total community. Yeah. And would you say the applicants are... We're getting number one. We're getting more each time, and they're getting better and better. Would that be accurate? Or from staff's assessment, uh, this f uh, review cycle, they said we received better quality applications. I think we received a few more applications, but they accredited to us given that technical assistance after the um, press release was re uh, was announced. We had some some pre-planning um, or pre-submittal workshops, Works, right? So people are taking advantage of that, and because of that, things are getting better and better with their applications every time. Yes, that's that's what we're seeing so far. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sainz. Okay, um, to Ms. Brixman's question, Supervisor, if you go to page 73, it's the public service applications. There were quite a few that received a score of 80 above and didn't get funded, including the Northern Virginia Family Services, whose score was 87.2. Um, a farm less ordinary score was 85, OER score was 84, NMED score was 81, and Mobile Hope was 80.8. And so just under that section, there were a lot, there were other nonprofits that scored above NMED that also did not get funded under that section. I have a couple of questions. Under this section, the public service application, laws is funded. Now, I'm not asking about the other section yet, the capital, but this is the public service. I, I thought that, law, that funding for laws for this part of an application process had been removed because they were receiving a steady stream of income from the county because they were one of our five, now four, core nonprofits. So I understand the capital side because they also um, got funding on the capital side. But under this side, the public service side, I didn't know that laws, and, and I'm not saying I won't take a penny from laws, I'm not saying that, but I didn't realize they were still part of this grant process in this way. Yes, our process has been independent of the, the nonprofit arm uh, when the other grants were awarded. So this is exclusively uh, community development block grants. So th they applied back in- Because it's not the county money. Excuse me? Because it's not county money. Okay, yeah, all right, that's, that's absolutely fine. On, of this money um, that, we're get, that we're doing, there's a very large uh, uh, pot that is going to um, housing, just housing. Is, is any of that money for the, the housing money, I, I now have missed how much, I think it was like 700,000, it's a very large pot. Is any of that going for displacement or is that all kind of building homes? Is that like habitat? Right. The, the displacement, that'll be separate under the ARPA. Uh, as the ARPA money. There's another that's going for displacement. Right. Okay. So this, this proposed 717000 the idea behind this is to help um, leverage some of our uh, local money that we have from the, the multifamily loan fund, the, the half penny sales tax, to put that all in one RFP so that 
developers and the public as a whole can look to put deals together that will help us increase rooftops. Okay. And then I just want to ask, answer, ask this question again, because I just want to make sure that I know that I know that I know. When you talk about another process that may come in June because of um, other money that, that is available, it, are, are you guaranteeing that InMet would get money? Because I don't want that guarantee out. I don't want them to think that if that's not the guarantee you're trying to say. What we're, we're proposing to do, we, we are scrubbing our portfolio and we've identified a, a healthy chunk of dollars that need to be reprogrammed and, and spent by June 30th of 2024. So what we are anticipating is to confirm and verify those numbers in the next you know, week or so so that we can open up a public comment period June 1st using this particular activity uh, for inmates simply because they're in the capital category uh, because they're not being recommended for funding. As of right now, uh, that funding is, it does not total their request. Uh, it would cover the annual lease payment of uh, basically 100 and uh, we have identified $147,000. Uh, and their annual lease payment is $142,500. Uh, so if that number stands where it is, then that is the the re, the amount that we can reprogram, and we would most likely recommend that for consideration during a public comment period. Supervisor, if you don't mind, can I have uh, thirty more seconds, Mr. Hall? So, so you're saying that you're open up a public comment period, okay? But you open up a public comment period just for one nonprofit? No, we would. I'm trying no, to. This is where we would do the substantial amendment that we have to add our home investment partnership dollars as well. So there will be other actions in there that we need to do to submit to HUD for our home, our home program that we're going to kick off. So we would also have in there additionally for adding substantial amendment for our CDBG dollars, for reprogrammed dollars that we have this money that needs to be spent by June 30th or 24. And, and again, these dollars have, we've scrubbed, and there were projects over the last several years that left money on, on projects that we're closing out. And so this is being reprogrammed and reallocated. All right, I'll, I'll ask, I'll try to ask my question a, a different way when we get to, to a motion, because I, I, I am sure it is, it is how I'm ans asking the question but I, I, I still don't quite understand the answer. So I'll ask the question again when we get to the motion. Thank you. We do have quite a bit of speakers on this item. And uh, when I call your name, if you come to the podium closest to you, um, um, that would be great. Um, some people will have a, um, a interpreter. And if you have an interpreter, then you have double the time. So, oh, wow, wow, lots of, People speaking, that's great. No, really, I'm not kidding, it really is. All right, so um, I would call your name like three names in advance, and so you know that if you are up next, and you can go to either podium. Um, so let's start with Abigail Portilio, followed by Jennifer Laster-Smith, followed by Rankin Ahmed, or yeah, Ahmed. Hi. Good evening. Buenas noches. Good evening, yes. She, what, what she can do, she can do the, 
don't start trying. She can do the whole. She can do her whole presentation, and then you can then you then you can translate the entire thing so that you're not going back and forth and back and forth. Okay. Okay. Uh, hola, buenas noches. Uh, mi nombre es Abigail, um, y quiero compartir un poco con ustedes. Bring that microphone a little closer. Okay. okay. Eh, quiero compartir un poco con ustedes lo importante que es IMED para mí en familia. Um, fui una, part una participante del programa um, de las familias saludables en IMED y ha sido una fuente de apoyo para mí desde mi primer embarazo, uh, el apoyo emocional que me brindaron durante mi lucha contra la depresión postparto. Um, okay. uh, fue invaluable para mí. Um, sería una gran pérdida si las puertas del programa se llegaran a cerrar, ya que siempre ha estado abierta um, a la comunidad de, de todas las personas que lo necesitamos. Uh, y les invito a considerar el impacto que tendría uh, IMED este, si llegaran a cerrar las puertas um, y el centro ya no podría dar los servicios que nos da a la comunidad. Este, uh, yo agradezco mucho a ellos, uh, siempre han estado emocionalmente y físicamente ayudando a todas las personas que necesitamos del apoyo, como es IMED. Okay, thank you. Okay. Hi, my name is uh, Abigail, and I would just like to share a little bit with you, with you all about the importance for me that is IMED and my family and my family. I was a participant in this program of healthy families of Inmed, and it's been an, an incredible support for me from the from the, my first pregnancy and the support, the emotional support that I received, that they provided me with during my my struggle with postpartum depression was incredible. Uh, it would be a great great loss if the doors were closed, and if it were to be closed because it's been always open to the community that has the most needed it. And um, I, would, I would request that you consider the impact that InMed has had on my family and uh, in order to, and to, and to try and keep this center open. Thank you. Senator Portilio, gracias por hablar. Next speaker is Jennifer Lashley-Smith, followed by Rankin Ahmed, followed by Eliza Chavez. Good evening. Oh, sorry. Good evening, Board of Supervisors. I am Jennifer Laster Smith. I'm the director of InMed. And um, I want to thank all of you for the conversations that we've had in the last couple of weeks. I especially want to thank Mr. Hall and Johnette for listening to us and talking with us about this um, because. Uh, you're absolutely right. This is a year-to-year -year application. It's not something that we would ever 100% count on, except in this instance, because it's something that we did together in many years ago, nine, ten years ago now. Um, and so the, um, hopefully now we're all on the same page and understanding that, first of all, InMed will definitely spend out all of its grant funds. And for our capital grant, we're talking about less than 2% of our capital grant from 2020, which we, as we all know, from March until July of 2020, things were different. But other than that, that's the money that was left on the table for our capital grant. Um, and the 
staff at the time, um, the, uh, the county staff at the time with our, with our services grant, like we worked through the money on the table with our services grant. They knew why, we knew why, and it was just, it, it was the constriction of the grant. And so hopefully we're all, we all better understand that context now. Um, but through all of this, I just wanna emphasize like how much the collaboration and this partnership means to us. Like we've seen this as a, a public-private partnership with corporate partners as well as the county. And that is vital. Um, I have 42 seconds and I, that's not enough time to tell you about the special place that is the Opportunity Center in Sterling um, that allows moms to teach other moms to sew and kids to get help in getting into the academies of Loudoun and, nav and you know, just 59 other organizations serve the community out of that space. It's not just a space. It's not just a place. All of these green shirts are here to tell you that it's not just a place. It's a community. It's a community. And so I'm begging you to help us figure this out so that and give us the time to figure it out the next step after that. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Smith. Um, ranking them all, followed by Eliza Chavez, followed by Nursi Morales. It's Rankin Ahmed is next. Okay. I don't know. Good evening, Mr. Ahmed. Hello. How are you guys? We're wonderful. Um, so I'll just get into my speech. Uh, hello, my name is Rakeen, and I'm a volunteer at InMed. Uh, I've been a volunteer since the start of this year, and during my time spent um, at the Opportunity Center, I've experienced many uh, great memories, interacting with the children and the staff um, at InMed, from helping the kids with schoolwork, aiding in group-based activities and learning exercises, to even just observing the amusing ways the kids interact with one another. All those experience, experiences have brought me much enjoyment. Despite my short time in InMed, one thing has always been clear to me from the beginning. InMed is an integral part of the community and it holds much value to so many families. The center goes above and beyond to not only relieve many burdens, but also ensure that the kids learn and develop skills that will help them thrive in the future. I wish to continue being a part of this wonderful community and I humbly, I humbly ask for your support today in uh, keeping InMed's doors open. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Eliza Chavez, followed by Nursi Morales, followed by Leanne Morales. So the reason I'm calling your names in advance is so you can like make your way out of the out of the uh, pews and kind of be ready for the when 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 you come up next. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. My name is Nursi Morales, and I'm here to share with you how it has made a positive impact on my family's life. For example, my daughter's mental health has significantly improved with the help of the staff and alternative therapies offered at IMED. But I want to emphasize that this would not have been possible without the doors of IMED being open to us. IMED is not just a building, it's a community. 
It's a community center that welcomes everyone, regardless of their background, income, or social status. It is a place where families like mine can access research programs and service that would have been able to otherwise. And this is why having the doors of email open to the community is so important. By keeping the doors of email open, it means that families like mine have access after school programs, tutoring, mental health services, and so much more. It means that children have a safe and welcoming environment to learn and grow. It means that parents have a place to turn to for support and guidance. I urge you to recognize the importance of keeping the doors of email open to the community. By doing so, we can continue to strengthen families, build strong communities, and ultimately invest in our future. Thank you for, for your time and consideration. Thank you, Ms. Morales. Did we miss Ms. Chavez? Is Ms. Chavez here? Did we miss that one? She's not here. Okay, thank you. Um, and Leon Morales followed by Andres uh, Dextry. Good evening. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Liam, and I'm here to talk about EMED. To me, EMED is not just a place, a building, but my second home. I made so many friends here, and it's a place where I can be myself. EMED helped me with many ways, like improving my grades, discovering my passion for music, and teaching me cool, cool skills, like visual, visual illustration and 3D printing. I also love it here because I get to learn cool things like music and art. It's important to me and my family, but, to, but EMED is not just important to me, but my family as well. It's a place where we could come together and learn and grow. Please help uh, EMED to keep bringing more opportunities for fun activities for many other kids. Thank you. Mr. Morales, very, very good job. Thank you. Uh, I wonder if the guy coming after you is going to be nearly as well. Andres, is that, are you? <laughs> and then you'll be followed by Deborah Gilmore. Good evening. Hi, good evening. My name is Andres, um, and I'm here to talk to you about InMed. It's a place that I've been a part of since I was like seven years old. Um, it's been a significant impact in my life and the lives of my family members. I started attending InMed when I was just like seven. Um, I've discovered many skills there, including being a leader, dancer, artist, that is just through the youth program. Um, InMed has not only helped me develop my talents as an um, artist, but has also reinforced my grades in school and helped me teach others my age. Um, I'm proud to say that I'm now excelling in all my classes due to the uh, tutoring program. And I'm not, only the, um, I'm not the only one that has benefited from this. Um, from a very young age, it's helped my family and many of other peoples that I've known. Um, my mother, Gabriela Dexter, she has also been a participant of InMed for the past 10 years and is deeply grateful and support um, of the guidance she has received. My younger brother also loves going to InMed. He has many friends there where he learns new things every day. InMed has helped my parents and many others uh, prepare themselves and train them with um, talks and excellent advice 
so that they can help their children during these challenging times in school. And I'm here to urge you today um, to recognize the importance of InMed building and the uh, positive impact that it makes in our lives and the lives of many people in the community. Um, this isn't just a community. It's a place where anybody from different backgrounds can meet up and you can meet new friends. And speaking from experience, it's not only for families. Um, I personally haven't met other students from many schools, but um, I've expanded most of my time learning about different topics and backgrounds. And it just really helped me um, understand different types of um, lives and make new friends. And I, it would be a real shame it was closed. So Texas, you were every bit as good. Thank you very much. Good job. Deborah Gilmore, followed by Alex Leone, followed by, um, I, uh, I don't want to mispronounce your name, Axmino Rodriguez, I think. Good evening, Ms. Gilmore, how are you? Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board. My name is Deborah Gilmore. <clears throat> I'm the CEO of Laws, Domestic Violence, and Sexual Assault Services, uh, formerly known as Loudoun Abused Women's Shelter. While we are at, uh, speaking in support of the, the CDBG 2023-24 Annual Action Plan, I do want to note that we are not at all taking a position on or commenting on any of our wonderful community partners with whom we share the Loudoun County nonprofit space. <clears throat> we are specifically asking that you fund um, within that plan public services project number three on page five of the action plan as recommended to help provide comprehensive crisis response services to victims of domestic violence and sexual assault and capital project number one on page six of the action plan for full funding to renovate half baths in our community services center and make an ADA compliant and accessible bathroom for those we serve. As Loudoun County's designated provider for, of services for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault, <clears throat> we offer legal representation, direct advocacy and emotional support, emergency shelter, hotline response and therapeutic services to more than 1,100 survivors every year. We serve all survivors, regardless of race, religion, um, ethnicity, gender, sexual, sexual um, orientation, income or physical capability. Research suggests that 99% of domestic violence survivors experience financial abuse. HUD automatically categorizes battered spouses and abused children as low to moderate income. <clears throat> this CDBG funding in the public services category would help support direct advocacy and hotline services for survivors, including vital safety planning, forensic medical exam accompaniment, and support and guidance throughout the court processes that are unfortunately a re-traumatizing part of recovery from domestic violence and, sexuals, and sexual violence. Our services are free to the survivors, confidential and voluntary. We help survivors regain control of their lives and reestablish physical and psychological safety. By building safety, hope, and empowerment services together with survivors, we enhance our communities as places where all people can live self-sufficient li lives free of violence. <clears throat> For the Capital Project, our advocates work out of both our shelter and our community services center near the courthouse. The community services center currently does not have an ADA-compliant bathroom. It needs one, and our survivors with physical limitations need to have that equitable access to lives free of violence. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Ms. Gilmore. Alex Leone, followed by um, Exmodo Rodriguez, followed by Diego Chavez. Good evening. Good evening. 
Hello, I'm Alex Leone, also known as Teacher Alex by the kids of the after school program, and I am a youth mentor and volunteer at InMed. Out of all the truly amazing things I could highlight that this organization does, whenever I was sitting down to try and write something up for this speech today, there is one word that kept circling around in my mind, and that word was community. Walking into InMed every day feels like a giant pair of arms being wrapped around you. I have never felt so incredibly welcomed and embraced by a community of people. All the amazing human beings who have devoted their time and efforts in creating this environment at InMed are not only some of the people that I am absolute closest to, but they are some of my biggest role models and inspirations to date. This environment that is created at the Opportunity Center is nothing short of magical, and I have seen how important this environment has been in being a key factor in our kids flourishing in all aspects of life. The after-school program is constantly trying to find new ways to support and nurture the minds of our students, but options are limited with a lack of funds. Funding programs and organizations like InMed are vital in creating a more powerful and capable generation of individuals tomorrow. for tomorrow. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Um, now I'm sure I have destroyed your name, the next person up, um, but if you would pronounce it for me, I would appreciate it, and you will be followed by, so it's, I think it's Exmina Rodriguez, followed by Diego Chavez and Naila Colcas. Good evening. Buenas noches. Mi, eh, miembros de, de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de London. Mi nombre es Jimena Rodríguez y estoy aquí para brindar mi apoyo al Centro IMED. IMED ha sido un apoyo crucial para mi familia, especialmente para mis hijos. Como hispanohablantes, he encontrado difícil la ayuda para hacer las tareas de mis hijos y proporcionarles actividades extracurriculares que estimulen sus mentes. IMED ha sido un salvavidas en este sentido, ofreciendo cursos de robótica, ciencia, arte, música, danza cocina, programación y mucho más, además de, darle, de ayudarles con sus tareas. IME también ha apoyado a mi familia con alimentos, ropa y recurso, un recurso vital para nosotros en tiempos difíciles. No puedo exagerar el impacto que IME ha tenido en mi familia y en nuestra comunidad, pero ahora IME enfrenta la posibilidad de cerrar sus puertas porque uh, no han sido recomendados para el subsidio que que paga el alquiler del centro. Estoy aquí para pedir su apoyo para que IMED mantenga sus puertas abiertas y seguir brindando servicios cruciales a las familias como la mía. Gracias por su tiempo. Thank you. Good evening. My name is um, Jimena Rodriguez, and I'm here to speak to you about the center, the INMED Center. INMED has been a great support, crucial for my family, especially for my children. Um, as as Spanish speakers, we found it difficult sometimes to get the help we need to help my children with their homework and um, provide them extracurricular activities that will stimulate their minds. InMed has been a lifesaver in this sense, uh, offering uh, classes on robotics, science, art, music, dance, and culinary programs, in addition to helping them with their homework. In addition to this, the, uh, the educational opportunities in mid has supported my family with, with uh, nutrition, clothing, and vital recourses for us during the times of difficulty. I cannot exaggerate the impact that InMed has had in my family and our community. Uh, but now I'm looking at the possibility that InMed may have to close their doors because they've not been approved 
by the subsidy that pays the rent on the center. I'm here to say, to, to request your support so that, um, so that they can maintain their support during these um, times and to, to continue to provide the service, these crucial services to, my, to families like mine. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Diego Chavez, followed by Nayeli Krakos, followed by, um, okay, I'm going to spell your last name, P-A-R-A-N-J-A-P-E, because I am going to not pronounce that correctly, so when you come up, will you please pronounce it? Good evening. Uh, good evening. I'm Diego Chavez, and I wanted to talk about how Inmet has impacted my family and me and my sister. So my sister is part of the after-school program, where she has been getting help with her homework, uh, with her studies, and has been participating in many activities such as arts and crafts, uh, dancing, playing sports, recreational activities, and more. And through seeing her uh, participating in such activities, I was curious, and I went to volunteer for IMED, and through volunteering, I was able to pursue my interest for teaching and helping kids, and through that, I was able to propose a digital, digital design class, which was approved, and I was able to teach and provide to the children. I am very glad for the opportunity that IMED has provided with me, and I hope that you keep all of these things in mind when making your decision. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chavez. Um, Nayeli Korkas, followed by Arania, I think that your name is, and I'll let you say your last name, followed by Genesis Pacheco. Good evening. Good evening, members of the Board of Supervisors of Loudoun County. My name is Nayeli Correas, and I am here today to share with you the impact that Inmed Center has made on my life and the lives of my siblings. As a student of the team program at Inmed and a volunteer at the after school program, I can personally attest to how important this organization is for me and my community. At Inman, I feel like I can truly be myself and express, express my passions without fear of judgment. This is something that is not always easy to find, especially for young people like myself. The after-school program is particularly important to me because it gives students like myself an opportunity to engage in different activities and socialize with our peers. This has been crucial for me in building relationships and feeling a sense of belonging. Inman provides a safe environment for us to explore our interests and try new things, which is something that is not always possible in other settings. But Inmed is not just important to me, it is important to my brothers as well. They also attend the after school program and I found it to be a valuable resource for their social and academic development. It's a place where they have fun and learn at the same time, which is so important for their growth and well-being. I'm here today to ask for your support in keeping the doors of Inmed open. The building where Inmed operates is at risk of closing due to a lack of funding, and this would be devastating for our community. The after-school program and team program have been life-changing for me and my siblings, and I know that there are many others who feel the same way. I urge you to reconsider the, the decision to withhold funding for Inmed's rent and instead provide the support that they need to continue operating. Let's work together to ensure that the families in our community have access to the resources they need to thrive. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, our next speaker is uh, 
Arana, I think I see your name right, and then you're going to say your last name for me, followed by Gen Genesis Pacheco, followed by Andres, no, you I know, Andres Arabe. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Arya Pranchbe. I'm a junior in high school, and I've been a volunteer at InMed for one year now. In the past year that I volunteered here, I've been lucky enough to see the difference that InMed has made to children from elementary to high school ages. From safety skills to reading and writing skills to English to STEAM programs, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and maths, InMed has been teaching children to dream big, learn plenty, and work hard. This is reflected in the people, who, this is reflected in the role models who make InMed possible and provide the resources and opportunities for students to learn, grow, have fun, and that has truly made an impact. By exposing children and teenagers to different subjects, they've been able to cultivate a broad skill set and discover what they enjoy doing, which is a huge part of who we become in the future. InMed enables the kids of today to learn and explore so they can become amazing leaders tomorrow. InMed is dedicated to preparing kids to become amazing leaders tomorrow, and they've never stopped helping to work working to help children, so please don't stop working to help them. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Genesis Pachigo, uh, and followed by Andres, followed by Stephen Ahart. Good evening. Good afternoon. My name is Genesis Pacheco Velasquez, and I am 10 years old. I have been a student at Eden for one year now, and I want to tell you why it's really important to me. EDMED has helped me and the other children to improve our reading and writing skills. Thanks to teacher Debbie's help, my younger sister, who is six years old, has also improved in her reading and writing skills. EDMED offers many opportunities for us to learn new and interesting things, like coding and science classes, which I find fun and inspiring. They also have activities like dancing, where we could perform at community events, which makes me feel very special. Edmund is a very safe place where my family and I feel very comfortable. The school is big and there's a lot of space to have fun. I love it there. Please support Edmund so we can have more fun and learn more. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Um, Andres, you will be followed by Stephen Ahart, followed by Debbie Hoff. Good evening, sir. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Andres Uribe, and I'm here to speak to you today about a place that changed my life and has changed the life for many in the community. The Inme Opportunity Center is not just a building. It's a century, a place where people of all age, race, and background can come together and learn, grow, and feel supported. I wish there had been an organization like IME when I was young, a place when I could forget about my challenge at home and at school and be surrounded by the people who want me to be succeed. IME provides a space where individuals can discover new talents and learn new things regardless of their financial um, situation. What I love about IME is, is more that INMED is more than just an organization, it's a family. The staff, volunteers, and partners all work together to create an environment of acceptance where everyone can feel safe and supported. It's a magical place where diversity becomes one community and where emotional support is always available. I'm a resident of London County, so I'm here to ask you for your help I urge you to consider how important this organization is for our community 
and to support us any way that you can. Together, we can keep this magic place alive and continue to provide a safe, uh, a safe and supportive place for all, the, for all of those who need it most. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Stephen Ahart, followed by Debbie Huff, followed by um, Marie Frias. Good evening. Hello. I want to thank the board for giving me the, the opportunity to speak. Uh, my name is Steve Ahart. I'm a 29-year resident of Loudoun County. I have volunteered at InMed Opportunity Center once or twice a week for the past eight years, back since 2015, in their after-school program. Uh, primarily tutoring children, helping them with homework, and uh, helping them catch up to grade level if they're struggling in any subjects. On a weekly basis, I get to see the impact that InMed is making from the moment that I walk in the front door. I often see parents in the lobby picking up fresh produce or other healthy food supplies. Then I make my way through the halls where oftentimes there's boxes just lining the halls full of clothes that are sorted to be distributed. And then I get to meet with the kids and, and see their happy faces and they're all eager to learn. Um, the after-school program provides kids a safe place after school and is organized with fun and meaningful activities, healthy snacks, various programs. Myself, as a one-on-one -on -one tutor, it's always rewarding to see, you know, after a kid has been struggling with some concept, that see the, the light go off in their eyes as they start catching on and, and uh, they start to understand. And I, I know that the one-on-one -on -one attention that they're getting is worthwhile and it's giving them a better chance of succeeding in school and succeeding in life. Um, I know that the various demands for funding is always exceeded by the supply of funds, but it's, it's always been my belief that investment in our children is the type of investment that pays off several fold with myriad of benefits to our kids and to our community right now and in the years to come. Um, after watching InMed staff and its many, many volunteers, I, I know that InMed is a tremendous resource for our community. Um, it's, a, it's an institution. I would hate to see the Opportunity Center close. Um, I urge the Board of Supervisors to continue to invest in our children and uh, provide funding for InMed and the Opportunity Center. Um, I thank you very much for your consideration. Thank you. Um, Debbie Huff, followed by Marie Frias, followed by Michelo Lewis. Debbie Huff. It's Huss, Debbie Huss. It's Huss, okay, well we have Huff, Huss, H-U-S, mm -hmm. okay. I um, first came to InMed after my teenage daughter was out volunteering for her National Honor Society uh, hours. And she came home and told me how fantastic it was. And so I looked up their uh, volunteer opportunities. It was the summer last year. And I saw that they were doing STEM camps for the kids, and I thought that was quite impressive. And I'm a teacher, but taking a few years sabbatical after the, after having a baby at the beginning of the pandemic. And so I was excited about the opportunity to come in and give my time and be with elementary age kids again. And so I was quite impressed over the summer when I went in just a few times that I asked them if they were interested in having an extra volunteer for their after-school program during the school year. And they said yes, they would love that. And I offered to come in um, two to four days a week. Two days did not seem like enough to me, and I struggle every week to make sure I get there all four days. 
I work with the elementary kids and um, just like what everybody else said about InMed, it's a really impressive place. There's a lot of good happening there. You can see it from the elementary to the middle to the high schoolers. And the high schoolers who used to be the elementary kids now coming back to mentor the elementary kids. It's really impressive. When you talk about making generational changes, you see that at InMed. You see that the, the help that they provide for all of the families. And just like the gentleman was just saying about when you walk in and you see the things around InMed, if you come every day, you'll see different things at InMed every day because they don't just come in and sit there waiting for people. There are people there. And the things change daily because people have needs and whatever their needs are, InMed can meet them. I also wanted to say that Hannah says you did a fabulous job. She is 10 years old and what is it, fifth grade, Hannah says? Fifth grade? And she's already a mentor to the other kids at InMed. She's a wonderful young lady. She has two fantastic sisters and she's already a mentor to them as well. Um, it's a really impressive place. There's a lot of trust and as you can see, together, Everyone makes a big family at InMed. It's not individual families. Everyone comes together. Um, I was worried at the beginning. Can I say one more thing? You may not. I'm hopeful. Okay, thank, thank you. you. What you said. I look forward to June. Thank you. Um, Marie Frias, followed by Michelo Lewis, followed by Allison Rusi-Tilia. Uh, Good evening. Okay, so good evening to everyone who is present and everyone who is not. <laughs> My name is Marie Frias, and I stand before you today, like many others here, to speak about the profound Im impact that InMed has had on me and the community. It has been two years now, two years since I was introduced to InMed, two years of understanding the importance of our community. I have watched individuals come in and come out through the doors of InMed, young mothers with their children, teenagers laughing with their friends, and grandparents in their work attire coming to pick up their grandchildren, and they always share a smile. InMed, like everyone else has said, has become a second home to me, a place where I have volunteered and participated in classes. The programs offered at InMed are too many to count, ranging from essential life skills to subjective topics. And there are always families that will flood up the signing up sheets, eager to have a spot the older students in these classes, they have been touched by the programs. They come in large numbers and they're always open-minded to learn. No one is forced to be here. Everyone wants to be here. It is a testament of the quality of the programs and the dedicated instructor, instructors who teach them. They, we often think to ourselves, what would have happened if I could have done this in the past? Well, these children are getting these opportunities. They are learning new languages. They are learning new skills. They are learning how to be better people here. I have seen firsthand the positive impact that InMed has had on individuals and the community as a whole. It brings people of all ages and backgrounds together, providing opportunities for personal growth and development. I know you have heard the children talking. I know you have heard them babbling before. And I want you all to know that if InMed is closed, that the doors that are filled with opportunities will be closed shut because your support holds the key. I am here to implore you to reconsider the importance of InMed and the vital role it plays in the community. I am standing here along with these people and perhaps those who were not able to come. As you, as you hear our stories, I want you all to remember that they are not the only ones that exist. 
And if it, it is allowed, more will come. Thank you. Stay there. Stay there. Come back. Come back. Come back. Tell me your name again. Uh, my name is Marie. How old are you? I'm 18 years old. How old? 18. I have seen a lot of people speak in this room. You are an excellent public speaker. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean nothing that you, that doesn't mean anything about this vote. But, <laughs> but I need you to know you are an excellent public speaker. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, I think it's Michelo Lewis followed by Ellison Tusiela. Good evening. Good evening. Um, thanks for allowing me to speak, board directors. My name is Nicole Lewis. Um, I'm a single mom. In 2017, I moved to VOA shelter um, as a recovering addict with three-year-old twin boys. I enrolled in InMed's homeless prevention program, and that program actually had become the base of my regaining my stability. Um, it taught me a lot of wonderful things in reference to reestablishing my income, getting employment, um, and my case manager is actually here today. Her name is Jester, um, and she played a big part in my life. And InMed itself um, has now become part of my family. I've graduated from that um, program a few years back, and I've actually become a mentor and spoke at quite a few of their functions. Um, I stand here today, you know, a amazed at these kids and amazed at the wonderful work that they, I mean, that, that young lady brought tears to my eyes, amazed at the work um, that that center has done. Um, now I am a affordable housing homeowner and I, you know, put InMed as part of the reason that I was able to accomplish that. So here I am now disabled um, and going through a lot of changes. And once again, I'm back to InMed for um, to help with services and guidance. So if those doors are closed, it's not only closed for children, but also closed for single moms um, that get food, uh, any kind of other assistance with rental or maybe even utility services and things of that nature. So I would, I would ask that if possible, and I don't know if this is something that you guys do, come down to that center and actually see the people and the person that they affect in person. Because if these kids speak like that, here in a forum, imagine how they are if they're in a center in their own environment. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Allison Lucy Telia, followed by Walter Music, followed by Michaela um, Mel Malaspina. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Allison Resatella. I am the Director of Development for Mobile Hope. I have a master's in social work and held a clinical license for many years. Grant making is investing. We all want the most efficient process to yield the best return. This is why I am here. A 59 and a 92. Same application, same rubric, two CDBG reviewers. One scored our application of 59, the other a 92. Does this concern you? Best practices indicate that this disparity should be addressed prior to moving forward with funding recommendations. This did not happen. These scores were accepted and averaged into the total score. With this process in place, how many deserving nonprofits were denied funding? I ask you, can something be both poor and exceptional at the same time? Supervisor Turner, along with several others, spoke eloquently about this process from the dais a few months ago, the first time this was addressed. 
Additionally, staff assigned our project a matrix code of cleanup of a contaminated site. This had no connection to the application we submitted. In addition, one reviewer erroneously referred to us as another nonprofit in comments. What is the training process for volunteer reviewers? Is their, is their performance reviewed? And have you all considered hiring professional grant reviewers? Furthermore, on page six of the CDBG grant fact sheet, it states, the review committee meets with eligible applicants to discuss funding requests. Do you have any concerns that this did not in fact occur? Would HUD have any concerns? I urge each of you to look behind the curtain to understand that the processes that lead to these recommendations may differ from what you envision. That there is ample room to improve transparency and equity in this process. Historically, it has been made abundantly clear that all grant money needed to be expended during the grant period. It seems hundreds of thousands are being carried over from last year. Have these rules changed? Hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars were spent by nonprofits to compete for CDBG funding. One of the three awards recommended by staff, CDBG funding recommendations on April 1st was 800,000, which promised to help four people. I ask you to consider, is this process working? Thank you. Thank you. Um, Walter Music, followed by Michaela, Malaspina, followed by um, Carolina Vasquez. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Walter Music, and I'm the owner of Serta Pro Painters of Loudoun that happens to be in Supervisor Sain's district. Serta Pro is a community painter partner of InMed, and we support the work of InMed's Opportunity Center. I am here to urge you to provide funding for InBed's Opportunity Center, which supports your affordable housing strategy for the following reasons. The InMed Opportunity Center delivers vital homelessness prevention services and resources to the low-income communities of Loudoun. These services are a key component for making it possible for those in living in affordable housing to stay in affordable housing. The InMed Opportunity Center has provided emergency rental assistance to extremely low-income households at, Im at imminent risk of homelessness. The InMed Opportunity Center provides a free family resource center, which includes food, clothing, diapers, and other ne necessities for low-income families. The InMed Opportunity Center is a free education center. It has classes in financial literacy, budgeting, and home ownership courses, academic enrichment, and mental health support for children, as well as child abuse prevention for at-risk parents and workforce skills for under and unemployed individuals. In addition to that, there are 60 local nonprofits and county agencies that rely on the InMed Opportunity Center to deliver their resources and services to hard-to-reach, low-income families. InMed leverages each CDBG dollar to bring in nearly five times more than that. This equates to millions of dollars in complimentary funds for the benefit of Loudoun residents. In addition, the InMed Opportunity Center serves, serves as a satellite food pantry for Loudoun hunger relief. Last year, they distributed 12,170 food, food parcels. For these reasons, the InMed Opportunity Center deserves your capital funding. It's the right thing to do for Loudoun County and Loudoun County citizens. 
Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Music. Um, Michaelia Mella Espina, followed by Carolina Vasquez, followed by um, um, Gusel, I think, Garcia. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, my name is Micaela. I'm 14 years old, and I've come here today to talk about all of the amazing things that have happened because of EMED. Not only have I begun acting and doing painting and also trying out 3D printing, stuff that I didn't even know whether I would like or not. I got opportunities that it would be impossible to get without this program. I know that all the people behind me are thinking the same thing. Now, without EMED, we wouldn't get experiences like that. And that everything that we get, it's a gift. And I'm so glad for everything. And if you're shutting this place down, sorry, I get emotional. You take your time. <laughs> you're doing just fine. That shutting this place down means turning down every single thing that we could have. Opportunities that we could have. Future kids that want to come here. Taking away those opportunities, I couldn't imagine it. I was supposed to read this, but what I'm saying right now, it's speaking from the heart. I hope that you guys know that. God dang it. <laughs> so if you guys could open the email doors again, that would be amazing. Thank you. Good job. Very good job. Thank you. Um, Carolina Vasquez followed by um, Little Miss Guselia Garcia, who is eight years old. Good evening. Buenas tardes. Buenas tardes. Mi nombre Buenas es Elma Velázquez. Soy mamá de cuatro niñas, tres de las cuales participan en el programa de INMED desde hace un año. Y desde ese entonces he podido ver cómo ellas han podido superarse en su desarrollo académico y emocional, ya que han podido superar sus problemas en lectura y escritura con la ayuda que han recibido de las maestras y de los voluntarios que se encuentran en INMED. Debido a que yo no puedo ayudarles mucho, ya que el idioma se me dificulta un poco. Además, les han ayudado en su desarrollo emocional, ayudándoles con su autoestima. IMED ayuda a familias completas a superar dificultades psicológicas, alimentarias y escolares. Sería una gran pérdida que el programa de IMED cerrara sus puertas. Confío en que ustedes ayudarán a que esto no suceda. Muchas gracias. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Delma Velasquez, and I'm the mother of four girls, um, three of which have participated in the programs of INMED since last year. And I, um, and I've been so, I have received so much help on their behalf from the, the, uh, and their, their development, their academic development, their emotional, and they have, uh, they have, uh, they've made some incredible progress in their reading, writing, 
and their self-esteem. And, um, and I cannot, let's see, no. I, I cannot, oh yeah, it's hard for me to speak the English language. So for this reason, I'm very grateful for the help that I have received with my children's work. And um, so they've got emotional development. Um, they've, they've, I've seen them make great progress overcoming emotional difficulties. And it would be a shame, a great loss, if the program of InMed were to shut its doors. And I'm hoping that you will all uh, help to see that this not happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we have one more speaker, and after that, we are going to take some votes right now. And so, just might as well just hang out and watch the discussion on this item. Um, our last speaker is um, Guseli, I think Garcia. She's eight years old. It says, "Are you here?" She's not here. Okay, then that was our last speaker. Supervisors, um, I want to make a couple motions. So, um, Mr. Hall, if I understood you correctly. What you said is that the 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 block grant th this this has to go forward by twelve midnight on the sixteenth. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Sixteenth um, of June. Of, no, of May. May. Of May. Okay. Then I'm going to make a motion to suspend the rules. Motion to suspend the rules has been made and seconded. Discussion on the motion to suspend. Um, I, I will have another, we, after we have this mo discussion, after we have the motion to suspend, I'll make the motion for the item and then we'll, I can have some discussions about what's happening in the room tonight on the motion for the item. But because we're so close to the deadline, I do not want to, um, I, I don't want to chance anything happening between now and, and, when the, and, when this, and when they are due, so. Motion's made and seconded by Mr. Sainz. Anybody else? All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion passed 801. Mr. Turner has left the dais. I move the Board of Supervisors to approve the Community Development Block Grant Fiscal Year 2024 Annual Action Plan provided in Attachment 1 to the May 10th, 2023 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. Motion's made and seconded by Mr. Sainz. Okay. So I'm about to have a, I'm about to have some really a hard discussion and I'm about to have a hard discussion. This night was both um, very heartening and very frustrating. There is not a nonprofit that we are dealing with that is not worthy to receive um, money. The reason the supervisors, for the most part, took ourselves out of this process and made this process a grant um, process that, the, that was staff ran was because it, 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 at some point we are choosing winners and losers. And you know, if, if somebody could reach a, reach a supervisor for their nonprofit, that nonprofit probably was the one that would get funded. And that's not the way that we should do this. This is a completely subjective process and that is as it should be. No matter what deals people think they made, this is a year to year to year to year grant. And so there was no, there's no guarantee that you're gonna get this money and you should not program the money for, especially your rent from a grant process that you do not know if you're going to get. That is not a wise thing to do. InMed is an incredibly important pro nonprofit. I have been there 
more than once. There was nothing that was said tonight that was not true. But there's, there's not a nonprofit. There's not an incredibly important nonprofit. And if we take from one, then to give to the other, that is robbing Peter to pay Paul. And we should not do that. And I will not do that. I support our grant, profit, our grant process, and we're not closing the doors. We are following the process that everyone has, my time should be running, that everyone has equal opportunity to have, everyone. And so, so, so I hear the emotion, I hear the pain, I hear the importance, I hear the hurt, but what I need you all to hear from me from the county chair is that I am deeply involved and aware of all of our nonprofits, and I did not see one on this list that is more deserving than the other. They are all deserving, which is why we try to not have an, why, why we try to have a subjective process, I'm sorry, sorry, objective, thank you, objective process that keeps out relationships. There are people who came and spoke that I know, that I care about. I am not supposed to make decisions because I know you and care about you. I am not. And so we're trying to have an objective process for that reason. For whatever reason, the application process for InMed this time for this category didn't go well. It is important for staff and InMed to sit down and figure out what happened. But it is not appropriate for, for the supervisors to jump over other nonprofits to give InMed money when, when they did not apply, they, they did not qualify this time. It is just not appropriate to do that. And it is hard to sit here and say this because with this room and sea of green looking at me, what I want to say is absolutely we'll give you every penny you ask for. That would be easy to say. It would also be a lie. And I won't sit here and lie to you. I absolutely will not do that. So we will, I will talk in, in my closing comments about whether or not um, in June through the capital process money can be had. But I want you to know that if money is available in June, it is not because of what was said tonight, it's because of what Mr. Hall already explained. Because I don't want you to come believe that because you all came tonight, no matter how amazing you are, no matter how amazing the program is, no matter how impactful you were, I would not change my mind simply because of what you said tonight, because I would not take money from one nonprofit and give it to another nonprofit. That is not the right thing for me to do. It's not how I should handle things. I won't do that. I shouldn't do that. I will not do that. But we will talk about the other possibility when I close. Um, Ms. Brooksman. Thank you, Madam Chair. If I might ask staff um, a question or two. Um, in the, the capital applications, InMed did not get a score. Is that because they could not qualify because they had left money on the table? I'm looking at um, attachment my, three. So the, on attachment three, the, their score is, is misplaced in the column to the left. So they scored 75.4. Oh, they scored a 75.4. Okay, okay. Well, that kind of answers my second question because I was afraid if they, dis if they were disqualified for this process, they might be disqualified for the RFP affordable housing process. No, they were not disqualified. Okay, so my second question is, um, 
the services that InMed provides is not directly always or 100% related to affordable housing. So are you certain that they will be able to apply in that RFP process and have a chance to qualify? The category is kind of a catch-all. So we, we have okay. it currently entitled capital. I just added a for dash affordable housing to it. So it would be eligible, CDBG eligible projects where we have a high priority funding activity. Okay pursuant to our consolidated plan. Okay, and to your knowledge, will they be able to apply for that and re potentially receive funds in time in that process to make sure the doors do not close? So first, my first response is all of our grants are reimbursable, so we don't pay upfront. And this current fiscal okay. year's grants were subject to when the federal government passed their budget or continuing resolution and when we received our actual grant from the federal government. So we didn't receive our grant for this current fiscal year that started July 1st of last year. We didn't receive our grants until November. Okay. So applicants are, it's, it's acknowledging the application that grantees and applicants should not expect to receive funding until August or September approximately okay okay this current fiscal okay, year was okay. even much later I, i'm kind of hearing a yes though because it's reimbursable right okay thank you um ms lassiter smith you should be extremely proud and i am extremely proud of your programming just hearing what i heard tonight um i am extremely thankful for the work that inmed is doing i would be distressed if InMed closes its doors because, not only because of the great work you do, but, because of, but also because of your location in the county, because you serve a certain demographic in a certain location where it's much, very, very much needed and would be sorely missed. So I'm hoping that we can get it straightened out. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Ms. Umstead. Thank, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I, I would agree with what Supervisor Briskman said, but primarily I just want to say that um, the chair gave a very difficult speech. Um, I know how difficult that was for her, um, but I will absolutely support her position on this. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kirshner. Thank you, Madam Chair, and I want to first of all thank everyone for coming. I'm I was very, I, I'm I'm not easily impressed. I don't think um, everyone that spoke. I was very impressed with your 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 uh, the words you had to say, the passion with which you had to say it, and very impressed with much of the organization. And I am I love to I love our nonprofit grant programs where we are able to help. One because I think nonprofits actually provide a better service. And especially in most of the situation, including um, those who spoke today and the organizations who have applied, provide a better service than than government can. And so, um, some may disagree with me on that, but I, I just think it's so much better. I mean, some of the things, some of the examples that were given today is just case in point. The always the concern I have, though, and I think we heard some of that tonight um, through some of the speakers, is nonprofits becoming too dependent on on these grant programs. And that always concerns me because I don't, I don't ever want that to happen. And we have objectively tried to take ourselves out of this process, which I think is the right thing to do, uh, and make it a more competitive process. But then we run into situations like we're kind of running into tonight. And that, that grieves me because I don't know how, what the solution or the answer is. And um, 
I do support the, the motion made by the chair. Um, I, I, the one thing that did bother me, and, and Mr. Turner brought it up before, and that was the speaker from Mobile Hope, and how we have two significantly different, in the previous application process, a two significantly different scores. Um, that may be something that I wouldn't want to talk to staff offline on a little bit more. I, I haven't had an opportunity to do that before, but that certainly is of concern for me. So I want to first of all thank everyone for coming out um, and kind of express my um, my thoughts on the process. One, I love supporting our nonprofits. I think they play a major role in our community, which is obvious tonight. Um, I, I, I always want to hope that our nonprofits do not become dependent, but we are more partners in helping them through this process. And a little bit of what I heard tonight, I am concerned that maybe they, we are, um, that doesn't, we should not stop this nonprofit uh, process and, and distribution through a number of different grants and venues that we have. And I hope that uh, the organizations that spoke tonight who maybe were not recipients of this particular grant will not lose heart, but will continue. And, and I hope that maybe we can provide a, a broader scope on this and, and providing more organizations assistance one, so that we don't, they don't become dependent on, but two, that we can also spread the funds that are available. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Sainz. Yep, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'll just quickly say, even though we don't have more comments tonight, but I'll just use the time now to say thank you to everybody that came out to, sp uh, to spoke. You're passionate, you spoke about um, what you're seeing at the center, how it's improved your, your life or your family or your friends. So we appreciate sharing your stories. And it definitely does a great job. Um, and I'm gonna speak positive. I know the doors will not close, no matter how this vote goes, because uh, Emmed does a great job and there's a lot of um, people out there that care about Emmed and I'm sure the staff will do what they need to do to um, circle the wagons and, and get the funding that's needed to continue to do the great work that they do in, our, in the Sterling community every single day. And I definitely have been to Emmed a few times over the, over the years and seen firsthand uh, the work that is being done and it's it's great work and um so despite the the, the bump that we have right now on the road i know we will overcome it and uh come out of this uh, uh bigger and better and uh and better for it so um the doors will not be closing uh so we need to start stop using that language because i know it's not going anywhere but uh things will things will be reworked out and and uh we'll be we'll be moving on um, so, and I agree with everything uh, Chair Randall said in our, in our opening, you know, this is definitely a difficult uh, process uh, that we have to go through and because we don't want to pick this, pick that over or this one in, in the process and don't want to go back to a process where the, where the supervisors are, we're sitting here advocating for, oh, this is my uh, nonprofit, my district, so I'm going to vote this way. and. No, somebody else is going, oh, well, this is my profit, my district, so I'm going to vote that way and, and everything because we'll be here all, all night and, and then some trying to figure things out. So um, we will obviously keep working on the process that we have. And if, we, if there's improvements to make, we'll, we'll talk to staff and see what we can be done. But um, I think this is the right thing to do. And like I said, I know the doors will not close. They may will continue doing the great services that they're doing in the Sterling community. So thank you. Um. I do want to thank everybody that came out and spoke, especially the young people. Uh, you were amazing and powerful, and, and I appreciate you very much. Um, I don't think that doors for inmates are going to close either because I think there's a different pot of money that may be available, and I'm going to ask about that in a second. But I, 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 
I think our nonprofits are. I think our nonprofits profits are a force, force multiplier. We couldn't. We wouldn't be who we were without our nonprofits. We just wouldn't. And I am very, very proud. One of the proudest things I've done since I've been chair is to work so closely with the nonprofits and help the and help the process alone. Having said that, I don't think it clearly is not a perfect process. Per clearly, there's things that need to be addressed when the disparities between two people who are judging is that large. And I think that's a, 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 a fair statement and one that I will follow up on. I think we just keep tweaking this process until we get it as right as possible for for as many nonprofits as possible. And, and, and it's much better than it was, but it's not where it could be yet, and that is the goal. Um, I do need to go back one more time, Mr. Hall, and I am so sorry, because clearly it is just me that is not getting this. I, 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 am, I truly apologize. What I don't understand, and I'm gonna try to be as, 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 as clear as possible. If we're opening up this process again, if we're gonna have public hearing again and all that, all those things, why are we convinced that it will be in Matt? And I'm only asking that because I don't want people walking out of here hearing, oh, in June we're gonna get this money. If that's not, I don't wanna, I don't wanna give false hope, right? I mean, again, I, 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 I hard truths are, are hard, but you need to give them and not, hard, false hope is actually cruel to me. So I want to make sure that we're, we're saying the same thing because if I were them, what I would hear you saying is in June, inmates getting this money. If you're not saying that absolute, please tell me what you are saying so that everyone knows. Okay, Chair. If you don't mind, if, if I could have Ms. Powell speak sure. to the, the uh, great work that she's been doing since she started with us, and you, it'll probably with her saying it, it'll probably make sense. And okay. To, and to, uh, you can have an additional back, backdrop. Ms. Powell, thank you. Good evening, Randall. I have, when, since I've been here, I've been looking at um, funding and, and expenses. I've gone back and looked at old activities where there is money still sitting for and, and trying to see if there's going to be any more expending. So, I have found an act, one activity that money is still there. There will be no more activities for that. And those funds will expire June 2024. If they expire, that means HUD takes that money from us and we can't use it at all. So we have, a, I have identified money that we can offer to um, InMed for their long-term lease because a long-term lease does fall under the CDBG guidelines. Can yeah. offer to inmate is not the same thing well, as the money will. I, I just need. I, guess I just need the it. money. The money is there. You can say the money is there to get to inmate. And, and there were only three capital projects that applied. Okay. It, it, and so there is another. Was the only one right. that didn't get it. Correct. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. That that is clearer. Um, and but not the full amount. It's the it is the this the remainder amount. It's the, the money for the actual long-term lease, which is 142500 Okay. Thank you. Supervisors, um, I made the motion, and Mr. Sain seconded the motion. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstaining? Okay. That motion will pass 801. Thank you very much, staff. We appreciate it. Thank you, everyone who came out to speak today. You all should be doing some jazz hands up there. Jazz hands yourselves.
<laughs> Thank you, everybody. Supervisors, we are adjourned.